You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9. My name is Ryan LaVoy. I'm the host of this show. And t- <laughs> Happy and, birthday. And uh, yeah, Give me a mic. Uh, well, because usually words are not said by other people this, <laughs> this <laughs> immediately, but thank you, Tom. Uh, I've got Tom Peavy and Cam Berry on the show with me here today, uh, and it's going to be a fun one. We've got a full show planned for you today at 4 o'clock. We have a very special guest. We're going to keep that in the down low for now. If you've seen our social media page, then you know who it will be, uh, but we got a very good friend of the program coming on at 4 o'clock today. 5.15, as always, on Wednesday, we'll have Joe Bartle. He will wrap up the NFL season for us, start to look towards the offseason. Uh, we will talk a lot about last night's victory inside of Neville Arena between Auburn and Missouri, uh, and a lot, lot more on the program today. Again, Ryan, Cam, and Tom, we'll start with you, Cam. Uh, you were there at the game last night. That was a fun one to be at, and uh, good to have you on the show again. Yes, sir. Glad to be here. Yeah, enjoyed the game. Um, I mean, how could you not enjoy the game if you're an Auburn fan? Um, or just being around that environment, Auburn played well from front to back. I mean, through the entirety of the game, um, they they dominated uh, Missouri in every facet of the game. Uh, turned them over, um, didn't get into really any foul trouble, uh, shot the ball very well from three, 50% from three overall. Uh, and I, I think that was a, a very key thing. Uh, I think we had a... A kind of reemergence of KD Johnson, Kevin Durant Johnson. Um, he uh, he played a great game last night, and uh, has kind of you know slowly started to put together a string of solid games here uh, in the last couple, probably since I'd say about the Tennessee game where he's been been playing some really solid games. So definitely um, looking forward to see how this how this team is going to progress moving forward. You got Vanderbilt on Saturday. Um, a team that you know, although they they are Vanderbilt, they are no slouch. They did beat Tennessee, although it was a buzzer beater. They did beat Tennessee, and and that is, I mean, Tennessee's a good basketball, a, a good basketball team, um, as Auburn knows. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting. But yeah, I, I'm doing great. Um, I guess I haven't I haven't been on since the Super Bowl, so uh, that was also a really good good one a great super bowl i hate that you know uh, a holding call had to be called at the end of the game there but you know it was a holding so that just is what it is um refs that i mean that's what they get paid to do they get they get paid to make those calls and um james bradbury said it himself he held uh juju smith schuster there and um yeah but i'm doing great i'm ready to continue talking to you guys about it 
And then, uh, Tom, sorry that your mic was not on, but I appreciate... Also, the, happy birthday, Ryan. Thank you, Cam. I appreciate the uh, the happy birthday wish. How are you today, sir? Uh, man, I'm doing great. And, uh, yeah, happy birthday again. Thank you. But, uh, yeah, huge game last night. We, we sat here on the show yesterday, and we discussed this Missouri game and how vitally important it was for Auburn just to break the break out of the snide that they've been in with with some of the losses but also for the net ranking and your RPI and everything that they look at as far as getting an NCAA tournament berth the the losses were not hurting Auburn that bad as far as their net rankings and things like that they were keeping them there within the reach of an NCAA tournament berth but another loss and especially to a team like a Missouri and now looking forward to some of these others like a Vanderbilt Ole Miss those losses would be devastating so for Auburn to come out and and not just beat Missouri, but to just absolutely thump them from the get go, um, it was good. It, it was great to see. And uh, I, for Auburn's sake, you know, I hope that uh, I, I would like to think that this is kind of the beginning of a run. Maybe uh, get some confidence going, yeah, especially with a guy like KD having the game that he had. Um, I mean, four from six for three. Uh, I mean, that's a guy that's really been struggling from behind, from behind the arc and really just struggling with his game all year long. And we've started gradually seeing some things out of him. And then last night he really had a, had a coming out party. Yeah, it shot, shot lights His out. shot looked so much better. Right. It Not hesitant. It looked like he was actually getting some lift into his shot and really you know, not as flat, and and it looked good. Yeah, so that was that was the type of game last night that uh, Auburn needs more of going forward. Um, they still, you know, it was not a perfect game, even though I mean it was a blowout loss, eighty nine to fifty six. There's still some things that need to be corrected. There's still way too many turnovers. Um, the turnover game was twenty three turnovers for Auburn. Uh, is that well, no, no fifteen? Oh, I'm, oh, I'm seeing points off of turnovers. Uh, yeah, 15 turnovers to 16. Um, so, you know, you still turned it over 15 times. Uh, you did four sixteen, but, you know, kind of we've talked about that turnover margin. They like to force a lot of turnovers, but they turn it over just about as much. So um, a couple of little areas there that there was some sloppy play with some sloppy turnovers, and, you know, those things can get corrected. But if the shooting can stay hot like it was, the rebounding margin was insane, uh, 48 to 26. Uh, Auburn that's, in Auburn's yeah. favor on the boards, that's huge. So uh, yeah, I mean, just a big game from Auburn, and and hopefully it's going to keep some uh, momentum going forward. Yeah, certainly a near per, about as near perfect as it gets, honestly, uh, for Auburn as they were able to drub Missouri last night. I was reading Justin Ferguson's uh, Twitter a little bit earlier, talking about the breakdown of just how long. And how uh, how by how much Auburn led in this game? So Auburn led for 38 minutes and 21 seconds. That's not a surprise. But they led by 10 plus points for 34 minutes and 19 seconds. Yep. They led by 20 plus points for 27 minutes and 46 seconds, which was over a half. And they led by 30 or more for 15 minutes and 21 seconds. Almost an entire half's worth of time where Auburn led by at least 30 points in this game. This is as big of a whooping as they've had in a while uh, in the SEC. I think against Missouri a few years ago was the last time they beat someone by this kind of margin right. uh, in the SEC. And obviously Auburn uh, took it to another level offensively uh, as they've done now a couple times in home games. They did this to Georgia a couple of weeks ago. 
they have had little spurts of really good offensive play in a particular game, but not in one of this magnitude just yet, uh, where they where they really clicked on all cylinders. Uh, they got contributions uh, up and down the line there, and then very efficient contributions, which has been kind of the key term uh, for some of these guys this year. They shot it pretty equally well in both the first and second half. They shot 50% from the four in the first half. They shot 47% in the second. They shot 50% from three in both halves. They shot 80% from the line in the game. Really uh, as good of an offensive performance in league play. And look, we, we discussed that there was a uh, kind of room for a good offensive performance because Missouri was an offensive team that was not as good on the defensive end. But certainly to then not only score the 89 points, to only allow 56 of Missouri, and some of it, you know, they had just an off night too, but Auburn really had the intensity going uh, from the word go, which was something we were interested in with the knowledge that was a 6 o'clock tip, worried about uh, how into it the crowd would be and that sort of thing. But Auburn, Auburn understood the task at hand, and, and they met the challenge from from the word go. Yeah, uh, a must win is what Bruce said, and and the team acted like it was a must win. Um, and yeah, I, like you said, I mean efficiency from the bench. You see, uh, Leor Berman had had a, a very solid game. You know, three for four from the field, two for two from three. Um, made both of his shots, uh, both of his threes, eight points total. Um, made the most of his opportunities. Dylan Cardwell. I mean, just great um, rebounding. Uh, just overall, he had ten rebounds off the bench, and um, uh, every every I think offensive rebound that he had, uh, Auburn scored off of. So that's that's something really good to see. Um, and KD, I mean, again, you had had a great game from him as well as you know uh, Alan Flanagan, you know, starter. He had a very consistent uh, game, a great scoring game, and. Then you see Wendell Green went 0 for 4 from the field, and he still had an impactful game where he had nine assists, um, and that's something that's really key because that we you know we talked about that at the beginning of the season where if Wendell's not scoring, then you know Auburn might be in some trouble. Uh, if he's not scoring, you know, 15 to 20 points, Auburn might be in some trouble. But you know, with this game and the way that the entire team was playing, he was able to distribute and be a playmaker and still be impactful in the game and I think that's something that's really going to be key down the stretch as as Auburn progresses towards the end of the season surprisingly I think our most efficient player in Jalen Williams had his had did not have a very efficient game you know three for eight from the field um oh for two from three but still impactful absolutely impactful on defense held kobe brown to just uh seven points and i think that's something that can't be remiss because kobe brown is an extremely talented player he's he's mizzou's best player um and with that with that being said i mean this team just dominated top to bottom um could, can't really ask for much more than that you just want to be able to build off of this win um you know take the momentum that you have and, and ride it through the end of the season because you're you're going to need it uh especially going into the sec tournament going into rupp arena playing kentucky getting tennessee again going to coleman coliseum against alabama if you can get if you can steal you know one of those three maybe two of those three you, you're in a really really good position if you're auburn yeah, nine assists to zero turnovers. No turnovers either. Yeah, Wendell Green Jr. was was a, a big part of it there. 
Uh, he played a very good distributing game, as you said, Cam, despite uh, not scoring from the field. He did have five free throws. But, uh, you know, one thing that was interesting to me later in the game, and I hope does not end up hurting Auburn anyway, I don't – I think it'll be okay. But one decision that was made late later on – so Janai Broom, who had an awesome game, he twenty and ten, he had a transition dunk, oh, landed yeah. weird, and then had his foot and toes kind of looked at uh, from my vantage point for a couple of minutes, and then he ended up coming back in, and he dunked again and landed weird again, and then they had to take him out for good. Yeah. And I really just didn't love him coming back in the first place yeah, because it, it was it. a 30-point game when right. he came back in with 10 or 11 minutes left. And I guess it was to prove that he was still healthy enough to play. But that's one of those where you you, you seriously hope that, that nothing got aggravated to the point where his, his availability is going to be in doubt this weekend. Now, I don't know that. That's pure speculation. Uh, but, but certainly was, was getting some sort of work on his foot uh, maybe his uh, his toes that look like got wrapped up or something. So right. uh, hopefully that's not an issue moving forward for Auburn, and, and they're going to need – I mean, that's by far their best post player. And although Cardwell's activity is very high, sometimes he's uh, a high foul guy. He's right. not as adept as Broom is at finishing around the rim. I know that you look at field goal percentage and you think that's not true, but the, the kinds of shots yeah, they take the are, are vastly different. Yeah. So I, I think that that is something to monitor and make sure as we go through the next couple of days here from Bruce Pearl again and this, that, and the other, is just making sure that Janai Broom uh, is, is 100% and going forward here because that was one thing that was potentially um, Ill, ill-fated there that, that they put him back in and he had the exact same thing happen on a dunk. Uh, so that might be worth monitoring. But other than that, I mean, it hard to, hard to nitpick at anything – uh, from the Tigers last night, a dominating victory, 89-56 to over Missouri. We'll have a few more thoughts on that game as we go through the program today. We need to take our first time out. When we come back, we'll go to the Auburn Bank phone line. James from Montgomery will join us. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. This is former Auburn football player Danny Skutak, and you are listening to the Abbey Award-winning Sports Call Auburn. Welcome back to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here. Fun first segment there, talking about Auburn and Missouri from last night inside of Neville Arena. And now for the first time today, we go to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-3401 locally, or toll-free, 1-889-TIGER-9. Joining the program first today, James from Montgomery. James joins us. James, how are you doing? 
I'm good, and War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I know that uh, your birthday is today, so I just wanted to tell you uh, happy birthday, man. Thank you very much, James. It's uh, that's uh, greatly appreciated. Yeah, um, you know you're you're a great friend, just like uh, JJ uh, Jackson and uh, Tom PV and um, you know the other person in the studio. Um, yeah, yeah, we got uh, we got uh, Cam Barry in here today, James, and then we've uh, you know we also have Brooks Schillers and Brant Daughtry from time to time on the show, and I. Uh, we uh, we're all good with uh, being friends with you, man. Yeah, as well. Um, well, the first thing that I want to get out of the way is actually um, the Super Bowl, the the big uh, Super Bowl, as well. I was very upset of seeing uh, the Philadelphia Eagles falling to the Kansas City Chiefs. I was very very disappointed in Jalen Hurts' um, progress, you know, of uh, playing in the Super Bowl as well. Well, I, I know you picked the Eagles, James, but it was a very close game. It was very entertaining, and I actually thought Jalen Hurts played uh, very well. He had 300 passing yards, 70 rush yards. I think he had four total touchdowns. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, unfortunately, they just lost because they they could not get a stop on Kansas City. Everything Kansas City did offensively uh, was was very easy. And then that call, uh, that controversial call at the end of the game, you know, did not allow Philadelphia to get a chance to try and respond themselves. So. Uh, I think Jalen played pretty well. I think the story was just that they were not able to stop Kansas City. Yeah, because, I I mean, with Kansas City, with Patrick Mahomes, I mean, winning, I think that's like, what, his third uh, Super Bowl or, or his fourth Super Bowl that he's been actually attending? Yeah, so second Super Bowl that he has won, and that was his third trip to the Super Bowl. He's now 2-1 and one in the Super Bowl. Okay, because I know, um, you know, I've been hearing a lot about you know, if Kansas City is going to go back to the Super Bowl next year in 2024, I mean, that is going to have to – I mean, with Kansas, I mean, they, they have to pick another team. They need to, like, pick another team that might make it to the Super Bowl next year. Who do you think that would be? I would actually have to say that would – I would probably say that would be, like uh, – Pittsburgh, Minnesota. Um, I, I would probably say the Atlanta Falcons. I would love to see the Atlanta Falcons play in Las Vegas, Nevada. I would love to see them actually make it to the Super Bowl Me as well. Too, James. Uh, all right, you got a, you Me got a couple too. different picks there. Yeah, I would. I would love to see a great matchup between uh, the Dallas Cowboys and the Atlanta Falcons. I never seen a Cowboys Falcons Super Bowl. I mean, it would be a really good thing to have both teams in Las Vegas. I mean, you know, between the Dallas Cowboys and the Atlanta Falcons, that would be a really good Super Bowl that people would be talking about in Las Vegas for a long, long time. Well, you know, it would be a a, a great NFC championship game. Uh, of course, they're both in the... NFC, so they, they can't both make the Super Bowl. Maybe they could make mm-hmm. it in separate years. Obviously, the Falcons made it a few years ago, and Dallas mm-hmm. still trying to get back there. But uh, yeah, no, I think that would be a very fun playoff matchup, but unfortunately, would not be able to take place in the Super Bowl. Yeah, or I w- well, that won't be in the Super Bowl, but that will be like in the in divisional rounds of the championship as well. But I'll probably say, mm, I'll probably say like. Uh, Green Bay and Dallas 
actually playing in the Super Bowl as well. Yeah, again, James, uh, those are two very uh, classic franchises and, and two historic teams in the sports, but unfortunately they're both still in the NFC. You know the Cowboys are an NFC team, so you got to find an AFC team that they would play uh, in the Super Bowl. But the Packers have been knocking on the door for a while, uh, and they're a classic franchise. But again, that would be a very good NFC championship game, but not quite in the Super Bowl. Um, I'll probably say Dallas and Buffalo. I would hey, there you go. Hey. And that was a that was a '90 Super Bowl. That was a good yeah. one. Yeah, I would love to see that one as well, and a and a great um, you know to actually see Dak Prescott getting MVP, and at the end of that Super Bowl, just to make a friendly a friendly uh, wager, I would like to see Dak Prescott switch jerseys with. Uh, Demar Hamilton as well. Yeah, with uh, Demar Hamlin. Yeah, that. Well, we still got to see if Hamlin will end up uh, playing in the league again. There's going to be a long road uh, to mm-hmm. recovery there. We've seen him out in the public eye here recently, and I, I think there's going to be some independent doctors that get with him and talk about, uh, you know, the 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 likelihood slash the, uh, it, you know, if it's a good thing or a bad thing to try and come back and, and play in the NFL. So. We still got to see if he ends up playing again, but certainly that story will always be worth uh, keeping an eye on. Yes, as well, because um, when I was actually um, the week before the Super Bowl, I was watching the NFL honors, and uh, they were honoring Demar Hamilton, and I was moved into tears. Like I was trying to keep my tears back from falling, and and with that, you know, with his um, bravism that he has. It, it it just really, you know, it made me stood up and, you know, like this is the person that every young kid in America would love to idolize, you know, to seeing, um, you know, this this individual person, you know, trying to keep his his um, his spirits alive with a lot of people. Uh, not just with the Buffalo Bills Nation. It was a lot of uh, comments and good comments as as that for him to actually get a speedy recovery as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. The the entire NFL world, the entire sports world, uh, was praying for Demar Hamlin and uh, was wishing him well in an almost uh, unheard of situation. And fortunately, he is recovering and he's uh, he is he is okay. Yes, as well. And then uh, last night I was watching Auburn and um, Missouri, and we actually pulled it off. I mean, we really um, ripped the Band-Aid off of, of that game last night as well. Yeah, no, they uh, they got Missouri pretty good last night. They uh, they started strong. They got up double digits just a few minutes into that game and uh, won by over 30 points. So they, they played very well last night. Yes, as well, and then uh, seeing Janiya Broom uh, making some some really good shots, and uh, seeing how how he's gonna uh, how how he's gonna progress in next week's game when we play against Texas A&M uh, this weekend as well. Well, this weekend Auburn goes to Nashville to play Vanderbilt. Uh, they've already played Texas A&M twice, but uh, Vanderbilt's up next for Auburn. Uh, then they they'll have Ole Miss, Kentucky. Alabama and Tennessee to finish the year. So uh, the schedule, uh, these next two games are the more winnable games, and the last three will all be difficult. But it was certainly big to pick up that win last night. 
Yes, that's well, because I know we'll I know in that schedule, I know we're playing Old Miss, so I will be watching Old Miss uh, tonight because I think they do play a game tonight, and I will be watching Old Miss and, um, you know, trying to see, um, you know, who we're going to actually stop on, on their defense as well. And then for Vanderbilt, I was watching uh, Vanderbilt's game uh, last night, and I think we might have a good, uh, strong, we have a strong chance of um, beating Vanderbilt as well. And then Alabama, I have to see, you know, if Alabama has a game tonight. So if they do, I'll just have to see how they're going to, um, you know, how how Auburn is going to really progress against Alabama when we actually travel up to Tuscaloosa as well. Yeah, that one will be difficult. It was obviously difficult uh, in Auburn. And Alabama pulled that one out, and they will be favored pretty heavily when Auburn goes up to Tuscaloosa. Alabama plays number 10 Tennessee tonight uh, in Knoxville, mm-hmm. so that will be a big one. Alabama is still undefeated in the SEC. Yeah, so I do have Tennessee favored to beat Alabama, so I will be watching um, Alabama's offense and defense while I'm rooting for Tennessee as well and, uh, and seeing some guys that, we, that we're going to stop as well. I got you. Well, James, do you have any other uh, final thoughts for us today? Um, I don't have any um, baseball news, but I'll have that for you all tomorrow as well because I know spring training is right around the corner as well. It is, and then tomorrow we'll also have to talk a little bit about the Daytona 500 because that will be coming up this weekend. Yes, as well, and then I'll probably tomorrow I'll probably get the Daytona 500 um, trivia as well. All right, we'll give you some Daytona 500 trivia tomorrow. All right, sounds good, and War Eagle. War Eagle, that is James from Montgomery joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. always appreciate James for calling in. Let's get one more call here before we go to our next commercial break. Next up on the Auburn Bank phone line. Anthony from Auburn. Anthony joins the program. Anthony, how are you doing? Doing good. You got what you got. How about you guys? Doing very well, well sir. Doing well. You know, I was uh, watching uh, Sports Center or something this morning when I got off work or whatnot, and uh, I saw where the coordinators for the uh, both coordinators for the Eagles have been elevated. If I'm not mistaken, the head coaching jobs. I mean, I don't know their resume or what they may have done before they became coordinators for the Eagles or whatnot. Because I, I don't really even know the two guys, but I just saw that they was able to cash in even in a losing effort. Uh, in a Super Bowl, were able to cash in and get elevated to head coaches. Uh, uh, and I think one of them got an NFL job, or maybe both of them got one. I'm, I'm not really sure. I caught the tail end of that, but I was wondering if you guys know anything about that. Yeah, sorry. You yeah. Got- uh, yeah, so their offensive coordinator, uh, the name is escaping me right now, he had a kind of agreed to a deal. They can't formally sign anything, but he'd kind of agreed before the game even happened with uh, Indianapolis. Uh, and then as far as Jonathan Gannon, their defensive coordinator, uh, what what he agreed with the uh, uh, Cardinals. Cardinals, yep, yeah, Cardinals. That was the other remaining job. So, the uh, yeah, the OC, Shane uh, Steichen, and then uh, Jonathan Gannon going to the Cardinals. And these are fairly young guys, right? Yes. In their I, 30s? Late 30s, I think, early 40s, yeah. You know, when you look at that, you just wonder the the thought process going in the in the hiring process for an NFL coach. When you look at Bieniemy, uh, was a yeah. former NFL player. Uh, he played at Colorado back around the time when I was playing college ball myself, and uh, has been on two Super Bowl winning teams, and I think might have played in the third Super Bowl, just come up short or whatnot. 
but yet there's nobody knocking on his door for a head coaching job in the NFL or college or even an offensive coordinator in college. So you have to wonder uh, what's wrong there. And this guy got big championship rings on his fingers. Well, I, I'll tell you that the uh, enemy has interviewed for a lot of head coaching Over jobs. Over the last two years. He, he has interviewed for just about every job that has come open and he hasn't gotten them. Um, one of the issues with the enemy that everybody talks about is Andy Reid the head coach is kind of the mastermind of that offense. It, he is the guy that makes that offense run. B enemy is there. So their talk, the talk is that B enemy actually needs to get away from KC, get an OC job where he has the guy, he is the guy in full control of the offense and then see what happens. Cause right now it's pretty much Andy Reed's offense. Andy Reed's play calls. B enemy is just kind of that figurehead offensive coordinator. So he just, Andy Reed's calling the plays and he just signaling in is what you're saying. Well, so, Kind of. I think they kind of work together in tandem to call plays. Um, But the thing is that, like, almost a year ago, uh, Andy Reid went and talked to, you know, NFL executives, and he said he he basically defined the role that Eric Bieniemy was, basically saying that he does call plays and he puts together these plays. We work together to put together these plays. It's not just Andy Reid's offense. They work in tandem. Um, And... He still doesn't get these opportunities, which I mean, I I don't I don't know what else to think about it. Honestly, uh, it's just frustrating to see overall um, that in a losing effort, these two you know these two coaches, um, you know, congratulations to them. But you know, they're getting these opportunities, and Eric Bieniemy has won two Super Bowls as an offensive coordinator and still has not gotten a shot. You know, I beg to differ because you know uh, I've called y'all. Years ago, if, when some of you guys was on the show, I guess at that time, you know, we talked about Coach Saban and Curry Smart. We all know that that the uh, Saban was the brains and the genius, the mastermind behind that whole defensive uh, system they had going. And Curry Smart was under him, learning how to do things. But Saban was the main man, the glue that that did it all together for that defense. And uh, Curry stayed there six, seven, eight years on him, with maybe three or four rings on his fingers uh, uh, between. Uh, yeah, so I uh, mean. I beg to differ on that. I mean, something just don't sound right because if Smart can stay on the saving all that time, with saving being the man, that's his defense. I mean, you know, even though Smart might have some input and was tandems just like y'all talking, but yet he can be elevated and go on to uh, get that uh, financial reward that Sylvester Croom always talk about in coaching and everything, and everybody else can do that. But yet it, it don't fall for the enemy, and he got the championship rings. And the other guy, second place winners or losers, slide right on into a head coaching job. Hey, I agree. It's not right. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's time for being me to get a shot. I mean, uh, clearly, what he's done uh, in Kansas City, he's been a part of what they've done, which is win multiple Super yeah. Bowls. And look, there's a lot that goes into it, and there's some detractors that say, you know, how much of it is Mahomes and that sort of thing. But I think still, ultimately. Uh, you you've got to reward a guy for uh, playing a pivotal role in an offense that's been one of the league's best for four or five years now. I'm uh, I think that I think that he might end up leaving because he's that's probably at this point the way that he's got to prove uh, to other people that it's not about Mahomes. It's not why his offenses are successful. But at this point, it's been very surprising for him not to have gotten a job. Well, you know, I don't say that. Just leave. Stay there and continue to learn on the and, and the read. Stay there and continue to put on those Super Bowl rings on your fingers. I mean, that team is very talented. I don't know what their salary cap might be or what the finances look like or, or who they might not be able to bring back next year. But, uh, you know, if uh, they keep the core of that team together and go through the draft and spend a little money here and there, 
they could probably be in that thing another three or four years when you got a quarterback that young. But you know, anything you do as far as winning or losing, it takes a team effort. Sure. Some people, some people gonna outshine other people. Some people gonna get more of the spotlight. Some people gonna get more of the recognition recognition than other people. But it takes a team effort. Nobody's ever won anything and done it all by themselves. There's no such thing as right. that. Right. You know, and people have to understand that. So it's more to that than just that. You know, because everybody else is winning. Or, I play, or either everybody else is losing and losing big and, and can get jobs and can resurface. I've seen over the years coaches that had no business getting a second chance at a job, continue to get jobs, 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 and all they, everywhere they've been, they've been nothing but a loser. But yet people are thrilled to death to hire them. So we got to see what's really going on with that. I mean, I mean, good God. Uh, you know, but like I said, he ain't got to leave. Stay there and keep putting those rings on his fingers. Stay there and keep learning that offense and how to do things under Andy Reid because Andy Reid going to be a Hall of Famer coach or whatnot when he retires or uh, all that good stuff when you win a Super Bowl. Stay there and keep learning. Sure. Stay there. Yeah, and, and, huh? and look, I was going to say, I, I want the guy to get a head coaching job because yeah. – I mean, look, I I feel like he's put in enough time to, to yeah. for it to be real. And and I know what you're saying about uh, it was even longer that Kirby Smart worked under Nick Saban. But in yeah. the NFL, I mean, you look at some of these guys, they only work two or three years under these guys, and then they, they end yeah. up moving on to head coaching jobs. So I think it's time yeah. for being to me. And I, I want to see how he does because I just want to see, look, who's right. I mean, not that there yeah. is a right or wrong, but like if there any is any validity to the Mahomes and Andy Reid stuff or if this guy's just flat out good, we, we I want to uh, learn that. But you know what? Uh, you look at Freddie Kitchens. Played at Alabama uh, with Dubos and Stallings at the end or whatnot, and then uh, goes off. And I think Stallings recommended him to go down to North Texas or somewhere. You know, Stallings uh, being the veteran coach that he was and had connections in the coaching circles and things. Being a Dallas Cowboy defensive coordinator at one point on the Landry, and being a head coach for the Cardinals, and then come on back to Alabama and winning national championship gold uh, helped him get into coaching. Or whatnot, and probably put in a word or two, and then you get Freddie Kitchens. Uh, he had what, what was it? Bengals or Browns? The Browns. He had a job at one time, right? Yeah, he was the Browns head coach for one year. Yep. And the big flop there. Yep. You know, so so that's what I'm trying to get you to see there. <laughs> I mean, that's a job that Freddie Kitchens probably had no business ever getting at that point. But we're gonna see as time go on what happens or what or what may or may not happen. But you know, I would wish uh, people would take a look at him. Uh, you know, get a man a fair interview. Go ahead and offer him a job and see what he can do. You never know what a man can do until you offer the job. I mean, don't we start throwing this nonsense in. Well, he's Andy Reid. Uh, he's under him. I don't know if he can coach. Uh, Mahomes doing this and that. Well, you design plays for your best players. I mean, if you know, if you got any sense of a coach, you got a certain uh, kind of quarterback, uh, whatever ability. You have to take advantage of his abilities. Sure. If he's got a, a golden arm or. Uh, more of a legs, like you look at Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts do more with his legs than his arms because he just don't have that uh, passing uh, uh, attack ability like most other quarterbacks would have. So you can go get. So what you had to do is, is work his legs, his running game, in to set his, his passing game up with those running backs and things he has and the fakes he make at the line when he put it in the running back's belly and read it a little bit, maybe pull it, throw it to a tight end, either take off running around the end or whatever they, whatever they do. But all that you have to take advantage of your talents. That you have, you have to design plays for your talent. You got tight ends, running backs, whatever you got. You got to figure out what they can do, and then you just have to make something up. But we're gonna see uh, as time go on whether he's able to get a, a head coaching job or not, or just always be an offensive coordinator. But you know, I would like to see him on the college level at, at some point 
see what he can do somewhere, uh, maybe in the Southeastern Conference or, or somewhere. Maybe somebody will, but we'll see. We'll find it out as time goes on what may or may not happen. Maybe he'll have to get a shot maybe out on the West Coast for a college or something or, or somewhere, but we'll see. But, guys, I'm going to get in this gym and get this workout and look at some of these pretty women, and I'll uh, <laughs> talk to you all later. <laughs> Sounds good, man, Anthony. Appreciate the calls always. All right. That is Anthony from Auburn joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line, talking about this uh, Eric B. Enemy stuff that uh, has now gone on for a few years now. I think 2020 or 2021, yeah. he first started getting mentioned for these head coaching jobs. Um, and it it's I almost one. liken it to someone like falling in the draft where there's a lot of hype building up around somebody. They're going to be a top five pick. And right. then one team passes. And then everyone starts to freak out and say, well, what's wrong? Why did you pass? And so they pass because that team passed. And then, well, why did you guys pass? Yeah. And it, it, it feels like that's what's happened because he was the hottest name or one of the hottest right. names two or three years ago. But, and it, I mean, there's there's talk out there that he does not do well in the interview process and that, that, has, that has turned some teams away. I, that's the thing. Is, I mean, he I look keeps at it, getting interviews, though. So that's that's the part that right. it just doesn't – Well, no, that, does, makes, that makes me think he doesn't interview well. If he keeps getting interviews – He's the hottest name out there. He keeps getting interviews, and nobody has pulled the trigger on him to, to hire him. That makes me think that there's something going on in that interview process that these teams are not liking because they are hiring black coaches. You, I mean, there is the racial aspect that people look at, but there are teams that are hiring black head coaches who also interviewed Eric Bieniemy. So they picked another black coach over Eric Bieniemy. Why? You know, you, you can't say that, you know – the race thing doesn't work on that aspect. Now, if a team keeps hiring a white coach over and over and over again, I get it. But, you know, on the racial side of things, you have teams, like I said, that are hiring a black coach over Eric Bieniemy. He keeps getting these interviews, and he keeps not getting hired, and yet he's one of the hottest names out there. That makes me think there's something going on in that interview process that he is not looked at favorably. We got to take our next break of the program today. Uh, we'll start to wrap up hour number one. Again, we got a surprise guest at four o'clock. You want to stay tuned to that surprise guest at four o'clock, Joe Bartle at 515. So stay tuned. More sports call after this. Timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here. Appreciate Anthony from Auburn as well as James from Montgomery for joining us in that last segment. Just a few minutes left here in hour number one. And again, coming up to lead off hour number two, a very special guest and great friend of the program. So you don't want to miss that. Just a few minutes left in the hour. As mentioned, let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. 
Birthdays in Sports is presented by Max Credit Union with two convenient locations to serve you. One location on Gay Street in Auburn and the other on Frederick Road in Opelika. Let Max Credit Union help you with all of your banking needs. Today's birthdays, Daryl Green turned 62, former NFL corner. Green was born in Houston, Texas and was an All-State selection in track and field and football. Played college football and ran track at Texas A&M Kingsville and started four seasons. He was an All-American in football and set several national records running track. In 1983, he was selected 28th overall by the Redskins and spent his entire 19-year career in Washington. Seven-time All-Star, four-time All-Pro and was Walter Payton Man of the Year, two-time Super Bowl champion. He holds the NFL record for most consecutive seasons with an interception, grabbing at least one in each of his 19 seasons. Daryl Green turns 62 today. Yamir Yager turns 51, former NHL winger. Yager was born in the Czech Republic and made the Czech national team at age 17, was taken fifth overall by the Penguins in 1990 at age 18, and began his 28-year NHL career He's logged the second most points in NHL history behind only the great Wayne Gretzky, two-time Stanley Cup champion, one-time MVP, five-time NHL scoring champion, Olympic gold medalist, and two-time ice hockey world champion. Currently plays for a team in the Czech Republic, so he is still playing hockey at the age of 51, just not in the NHL anymore. Yamir Yager turns 51 today. Johan Treor turns 19, four for the Yo. Auburn Tigers. Born in France, Treor moved to California, age 17, pursued basketball career, considered one of the top players in the country. He originally committed to LSU, but eventually flipped to Auburn over offers from Gonzaga, Houston, and Kansas. Johan Treor turns 19 today. And another Auburn Tiger birthday, Landon King turns 21, wide receiver for the Auburn Tigers. King was born in Beaumont, Texas. And was a top 10 tight end recruit as a high schooler, as well as a letterman in basketball. He signed with Auburn in 2020 and moved to wide receiver in 2021. Landon King turns 21 today. And those are the birthdays in sports. Daryl Green, 62. Yamir Yager, 51. Yoan Treor, 19. And Landon King, 21. And if you have a birthday like I do today, we wish you a very happy birthday as well and uh, i would love to hear from you because we share a birthday <laughs> just four or five minutes left now in our number one and i uh, want to go over a couple of rule changes here real, real quickly uh, i believe brooks and tom did this yesterday with sec baseball uh, there's also some major league baseball rule changes uh, being implemented this year too want to get your guys takes on as we start to ramp up spring training kind of opening up here shortly there's news about bally sports potentially about to go bankrupt we talked earlier uh this month this year about needing to hire a new braves play-by-play guy so just a few more news and nuggets here from major league baseball uh the internet's been kind of ablaze today because of some erroneous pictures of how big the base is now. <laughs> uh, there is a there is a bigger base, but it is I only saw that picture. It is only bigger by a few inches, guys, right. not by a couple of feet. So there's some erroneous images circulating, but a little hilarious. a little bigger bases, but just by like three inches. So it's going to make the distance from. Uh, first to second, second to third, etc. A, a little shorter. Just we're talking again inches. Um, but game of inches, everything really is. That's the most common phrase, by the way, is 
So, so it's a game of inches. Yeah. By the way, they all are. I don't. I don't oh, know man. of one that's not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the golf ball either barely goes in the hole or it go, or it does not go in the hole. That's an inch or two. Uh, baseball, you're out by a, ste- a half a step or you're not. It's a strike by an inch. Football, did you make it by a few inches? Did you oh, not? Yeah. Basketball, did it roll in or roll out? Uh, literally, hockey. It's just anything. Even NASCAR, did you win by a few inches at the line in the in the photo finish, or did you not? Did you make it to the caution line in time? It's all games of inches, folks. So, uh, but that being said, this is literally a change by inches in Major League Baseball. And also, guys, want to get your thoughts on uh, what I feel uh, is a a, ter- a terrible rule. I almost said that's terrible, terrible. All right. <laughs> Charles Barkley Charles. there uh, is the the banning of shifts ah. is official, ah. and then also uh, they are keeping Grr. the extra inning rule. So like you're going to start on second base. So, uh, Tom, I'm already getting your your takes on that. Cam, what do you think? Well, basically both of you guys being noises. Well, the, the, sh- the shift thing is dumb. I, I agree. There, there's no reason for that. And, I, and I've, I've been on that pedestal on the show before. Uh, as a hitter, if you don't like team shifting, learn to hit the opposite way. Right. Why are you punishing? The- it works for a hundred years. It's yeah, not, right, it's not right. something that can why, be done. You know why? Why? Why is the reason that you are taking the shift out? That that makes no sense. That that is, uh, that's a play. That, right. It's a play. It's just like in football. It's like say, oh no, you you can't run three wide anymore. Because right. defenses, defenses don't it. defenses can't cover <laughs> three wide. Defenses so, can't adjust to right. it. Right, you, you can't adjust to a three wide. So you're you're no longer allowed to run three wide. Right. That that's dumb. There's no reason. Learn to hit the opposite way. I mean that that's what hitting used to be about. Is you learn to pull, you learn to hit opposite, you learn to hit oppo. Yeah. You have mm-hmm. to learn that. So if if team you may you learn to be a good enough hitter that teams can't shift on you because if they shift, you go They're, oppo. Right. Yeah, I'm not a big that's fan of it dumb. either. I, I'm I'm not a big fan of this sh- of banning the shift either. I I feel like it just takes away another strategy um, that that the game has you know brought brought up that's been brought upon the game um and yeah uh, uh, i don't know what they're trying to i don't know really what overall baseball is trying to do i know they're trying to generate faster games or something like that um well that is a a purpose but right. not a, not at this particular no game. no i i don't i for this i just think they're taking out strategy because players are crying because they're well, they, not well, they getting, are, their well, numbers don't look as good but i well honestly i think part of what they're doing with the shift deal and uh and it's the same with uh, the the extra inning rule is the excitement value uh, and i think yeah. that, i think that they've looked at the shift and they've realized that there's a lot of these hit these would have been hit right. had it not right. been for the shift and we want to get the hits back into the game we want to get the excitement um it's not it's not exciting for the fan to when, see a bunch of outs. Yeah, well, you know when it, when a, a rocket, you know, double into the gap is snagged by the third baseman who is playing second base. Uh, you know, it, it's you know, it's it's that kind of thing. You're taking away hits. You're taking away excitement of the game because of this shift. And then on the on the extra inning things. You start there. You know that that guy's most likely going to score, and so that gives you that instant excitement of the extra innings instead of just a, a, a trudging along tie game that you, right. you may never even see an end to. At least 
you've got some excitement in those extra innings, and so that I, one I don't mind as much. I, I, I know yeah. I know it gives the offense a a positional advantage because all it takes is one hit and they score. Right. But I, I don't mind that as much. I I, I think it kind of does create that excitement. So I, I I'll let that one. I'm cool with that one. Not as much with the shift. Yeah, I, I think the shift thing is stupid. I'm with you guys. Uh, extra inning I have more detailed thoughts on I used to despise it I'm still a net negative on it but I'm I'm, a, I'm at net least negative. not as cold to it as I was but it is here to stay according to Major League Baseball and we'll talk about those rule changes a little bit more throughout the spring as we arrive towards the start of Major League Baseball out of time for hour number one when we come back a very special guest you want to stay right here with us for that this Wednesday edition of Sports Call continues right after this One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ Tuskegee Auburn, and AM620 WTRP LaGrange. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call here on this Wednesday afternoon. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Barry with you here, coming live from our studios on South College Street. As mentioned before the timeout, uh, if you saw it on our socials, you know exactly who we're talking about. But we're now joined on the Auburn Bank phone line by a very special friend of the program, somebody that used to co-host this program, Mr. Trevon Reed, now joins us on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Trevon, my friend, how are you, sir? Man, what's good, fellas? What's good? <laughs> I'm great, man. I'm great, though. How y'all boys been? We're doing good. What's we're, up, Reed? Great. We're doing very well, man. And uh, a lot's been going on in your life recently, T. Reed, as uh, you are now working with a new coaching staff here at Auburn as Director of Football and Player Relations. You've got two little ones running around. Just what's been going on in your world here, here, here these last few months? <laughs> well, first off, them two little ones take up more than half of my world. <laughs> they, they, get mo- they get more time than anything, but man, it's, it's it's, it's, it's a blessing, man. I'm in a great position, man. God couldn't have, couldn't have written this story any better, man. So I'm blessed, man. Blessed to be able to be a blessing to these guys, these young men in the recruiting area, in these halls, period, man. It's a blessing. Uh, T. Reed, Hugh, uh, Hugh Freeze came in. You know, uh, he kept you on, on the staff. And um, just talk about how – what the energy that he's instilled to the program and and how um, everything has been affected from the top down. Oh, 
it's, it's, it's all positive vibes, man. It's like a new life. Um, it's like a it's new life in the building. It's new energy. Um, everything new, and you know when every when it's new, it's like it's like the first day of school. You know when it's the first day of school, you got your outfit already out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You got, you, you're ready to go. And, uh, everybody on their toes because no one knows what's next. You know what I'm saying? Like no one knows the the, the schedule, so no one could bucket, no one could could shortcut it or things of that nature. So. It's all new to everyone, man. So everybody up tempo and, and, and getting the job done, man. And it's a, it's a team. It's a team thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a team collab in recruiting. It's a team collab with these guys. Like Freeze want everyone in the building to know this is our team. And when you say ours, the players, the trainers, it's everybody team, man. So we got to take care of this thing. Yeah, T. Reed, I, I, whenever you have a, a new guy coming in here, uh, I'm talking a, a player, recruit, or whatever. And what's kind of the the pitch that that you make whenever you get a chance to talk to some of these these young high school kids that are looking at Auburn? What, what's that pitch about Auburn that that seems to really attract them to to you, to Hugh Freeze, to to this whole staff, and to this university? What's that pitch like? Um, it, it's more. I just speak my truth. Um, I don't lie to these. I don't lie to these young men, man. I don't lie to the parents, because I was once that five-star recruit who rolled up in the building and didn't want to be lied to. So I'm not about to do it to them. I'm not gonna speak about playing time. Not, I don't control none of that, and I'm not trying to control none of that. So I don't speak about it, man. I just tell them my story on why I chose this place and why I stayed at this place when things got rocky, when things wasn't going my way. Why I stayed. And I still found a way to, to somehow reach my goal, even though things didn't go my way. So I just like to sell the guys my story, man. And, and I'm just a cool dude, man. I got some swag. They love me. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> All right. That, so that, here's here's a question I have. I, I, I put me put me and the listeners out there on the field last year at the end of the Texas A&M game. Because this program was down, it seemed like down out. Everybody was mad. Everybody was sad, upset. However you want to look at it, and then that game happens with Caddy, and at the end of that game, they're swag surfing, they're celebrating. And I mean, and it 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 felt like it felt like a new day. And for you, you were out there, you were a part of that. I, I'm sitting there watching home, and I'm damn near in tears watching it. Put me and the listeners on the field. I mean, how special was that that night? Man, it was it was super special. One, it was special for Caddy to get his first first win, the first African American coach ever in Auburn history to get a win against A and M. Like that's not a weak team. Uh, their record didn't say that this year, but we all know A and M could beat anybody at any time. Um, man, it was it was it was surreal to be honest. And me and Caddy still talk about it to this day. Um, we, 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 we just reminisce on it because we never expected that to go like that. You know, um, you don't go into a season planning to lose and planning to be a head. Like, Caddy wasn't even an associate head coach. So he, he would have never thought he was getting that job. You know what I'm saying? And, but it just happened, man. And when it happened, he had guys like myself, Zach, everybody who was re- willing and ready to ride for him. And, when it happened, man, the kids, they just bought in. And they oh, the reason why they bought in because he just spoke his truth. Serve and believe. That's it. That's all we're doing. 
Like, we for you. Like, we for you, man. Like, Caddy, a guy, he, man, he had his shine already. Like, when it comes to football. Like, he don't want your shine. He was a top five pick. He was All-American. He got paid a lot of money. He was rookie of the year. So he wasn't a guy who wanted to wanted all the line. Like, that's why he kept on reflecting it back to the team, and they just appreciated that, man. And those guys was willing and ready to run through a wall for that guy. And he his future is so bright, man. This profession is it's crazy. I told him he better not go nowhere without taking me with him because the 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 the, the stuff I felt in them last four games, man, I, I wouldn't mind feeling that the rest of my life. And that just all honesty. And Trevon, when we've looked over these last couple months as this new staff co- has come in, I want to ask for you personally, what has it meant to you that so many Auburn people uh, have been uh, so loving of the job that you've done, so loving of, of you as a person? And when, when we were talking about the new staff coming in, it was like, yeah, you got to keep Cadillac Williams. But a lot of people made sure that it was known that they wanted you to continue on with this staff and, and have a role uh, in the Hugh Freeze era. And, and what does that mean to you personally that so many Auburn people have have, have, have just wanted you in Auburn's corner? Oh, man, it means it mean the world to me, man, just to know that, that, that you're appreciated. Your hard work don't go unnoticed. Um, but but, like, but like, I, like I told my wife, like I told all my, all my boys, man, I'm, I only want to be here if Coach Freeze want me here. I don't want to be here because the fans told him to keep me, because then you have to you have to walk in the building every day looking over your shoulder. So when he gave when he looked me in my eyes and said, "Man, I need you here," man, I'm here, point blank period, I'm here, and it's, it's, it 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 was kind of like a no brainer. I did have other opportunities on the table, but I didn't even entertain them because he said he wanted me here. So it was it it was a deal, man, to where. I'm just appreciative. I'm appreciative of, of, of the fans. I'm appreciative of the the credit I get. But I, I do want to say this, man. I get way too much credit. I get way too much credit uh, <laughs> when it comes to that because the, the, young, the, the young ladies in the building, uh, from Bianca to, to Zaria to Kendall to Riley, those, those ladies, and Katie was the group was the glue to this thing, man. And and they they built the plan, and I just executed. It's like Phil Jackson drew up a play, and Jordan and Kobe just did it. And that and that was me. I was just the Jordan and Kobe. It was the Phil Jackson. They drew up a play, and I ran it, and I shot the ball. So it was it was a team. It was a total team effort, man. And I, I every chance I get, I love to give them their credit because I get way too much credit. Well, and we know your basketball game, Trevon, so we know you're making that shot if it's drawn up for you, too. Oh, oh, Cam, you know. No, 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 no. We was just having this conversation the other day. Bro, it's all right. I'm going to find out. Uh, for sure. Talking, talking with Trevon Reed here on this uh, Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Of course, Trevon uh, was with us on the program for a year or so. Uh, had fun memories at SEC Media Days with him one year. Uh, now working with the Hugh Freeze staff, member of the Thunder Chickens, member of the Thunder Chickens. You you know, I, and look, we're we're not done. We know that you have a, a lot of important things going on, but you know that you always have a roster spot with the Thunder Chicken. Hey, that's that's why y'all my boys, man. Hey, we gonna win it all next year. 
Uh, well, we, we want to win one. <laughs> we'll start with one. First. Appreciate you lying, bro. <laughs> hey, you got. We all got to speak into existence, man. They say when two or more come together, man, it could, it could be possible. Though. True, true, absolutely. A couple more for you, T. Reed, and we'll let you go here on this Wednesday. Let's let's talk a little ball, though. Let's talk uh, just the sport in general. We we uh, know that you obviously consume a lot of football. Uh, talk to us about uh, what you saw. Uh, in this uh, the Super Bowl this past Sunday uh, between Kansas City and Philadelphia, just what you think of the league right now? Just what, what stands out to you? Oh man, it was a, it was a great game. Uh, of course, uh, we would all love to know what Jalen Hurts would have did with a minute and fifty seconds left. Uh, but like like Bradbury said, it was a hold. It was. Uh, but man, I just feel like. As a, as a as a as a ball player, as a competitor, as, as a fan of the game, oh, we lost. Uh, Try and get him back real yeah. quickly here. Uh, just going into that uh, ever controversial uh, Super Bowl moment and uh, that call at the end of the game. There, what? hey, he's a, he's a he's a former defensive back, and he even says himself. Yeah, yeah that's what, yeah. I was going to ask him about well, that. Well, I mean, so we, well, and and just kind of going into that, I, I'm one of those. I've I've been playing devil's advocate on that. I was like. Should it have been called? No, but I mean, it, it, it technically was, was holding. Yeah. But we got, mm. we, we got him back now. Here's oh. uh, here's Trevon. Trevon, you yeah, there? Yeah, man. I was yep. saying, uh, it, it it was a call that that it's hard to make, but it's the right call. But right. as a as a as a, I wish we could have hit the Buffalo Wild Wing uh, button <laughs> and, and extended the game, man. Because I, I I would love to see. The clutch Jalen Hurts, see what he would have did, man. It would have just been one of those moments where he just remembered everything he did at Bama, man. And the the commercial of this guy, if he would have came back and completed and won that game, would have been so crazy. Because he had to check in for tour and won the game. Then he, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. it, it would have the the history behind him winning would have been so much more bigger, but. Mahomes is Mahomes, man, and shout out to him, dog. And I just feel like the Chiefs—they like they the Warriors of the uh, NFL, man. So they they around for a long time. Them guys not old, so we'll be seeing them again next year. Well, you know, talking about would have liked to have seen uh, Jalen get that chance to lead them down, but you know, ultimately it's it's the championship game. You got to do what you got to do. We've mentioned in the 2013 uh, college championship game. What if Trey? What what if Trey Mason had not scored when he did that late in the game? What if he had stopped at about the three and given Auburn a little time to run clock? FSU probably wouldn't have had a chance to drive down the field. So, you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do. I'd love to have seen. I'd love to seen Jalen try to make that comeback as well. But I guess you got to do what you got to do when the game's on the line. Yeah, I, I agree, man. I agree. I agree. I man, so many. And you just brought back so many memories by that. I'm over here reminiscing. Man. I, I, <laughs> not my head in the bad place. Man. Oh, no, 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 no. no, no. We don't, we don't want to do I'm that. Look, I just put the phone down swinging at the arrow. <laughs> <laughs> <Put your head. laughs> All right, Reed, and, and I hate to ask you about them, but I'll do it anyway. I guess you're, you're, you're set, ain't. Um, they, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Cam, I want him back on this program at some point in the future. Well, of course, of course, you got a Fal- you got a Falcons fan asking the question. And, and so, so looking at the Saints, they uh, they have Dennis Allen. They're retaining him as their head coach. Um, they're kind of in a in a quarterback 
limbo situation. Uh, Derek Carr might be might be available. Stick with Jameis. What do you think the the Saints kind of do moving forward? Man, we need to go get Lamar Jackson. <laughs> we need to go get Lamar Jackson. We need to go get a Rod. I'll settle for Derek Carr, but if we if we gonna shoot, we gotta shoot big. And I don't think me per just me personally. I don't think Derek Carr is shooting to win right now. It's shooting to win some games. You ain't shooting to win the Super Bowl. So we need to go get a Rod or Lamar, and let's get it going. Yeah, look, we respect that. I just don't know how the cap math yeah, works right? for, for all that. Hey, I, one, hey, one thing about it, hey, we'll take some of Zion money from the Pelicans. We, <laughs> <laughs> we, we go find a way to get it done. Right, he he's missing half the games anyway. He he owes the team a little bit, uh, a little bit back yeah. there. Yeah, he can let us get some of that. That plays, uh, Travall, here, here's a question for you, and it's kind of going uh, running back around to the Auburn area. This is the thing that the fans want to know because they always ask it. Are we done yet? I'm, I almost curse. I can't do that. <laughs> uh, no, we're not done. We're not even close to being done, man. It's it, this this thing is about to get so crazy in the recruiting area, man. It's it's we're about to be that top team again. Like we we, I believe it. Everybody in the building believing. I mean, we could just feel it. We know it. We're about to be. We're about to be that top five team when it comes to recruiting again. Yeah. How excited are you for spring ball and and just to get a, a new season underway? Man, I can't wait. You know, I can't wait to see how uh how 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 everything just looked. You know, we 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 did our thing this this past past recruiting class in the portal. These young guys, man, we went and got some big time young guys. Some big time offense alignment out of that portal, and some D lineman. Man, I just can't wait to see them all compete and come come as one. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't wait for that, man. So, football. I know football just just ended, but man, it can't get here fast enough for me. Amen. I'm ready to see. I'm ready to see it. Amen. Well, Trevon, we appreciate the time today, yeah, man. man. You know, you are always welcome on this show. Yes, sir. We we wish you very well uh, with your growing family uh, and continuing on in the Auburn family. And we love you to yeah. death, man. Thank you for being yeah. on today. Yeah, yes, too. sir. Love y'all, boys, man. Appreciate y'all, boys, for everything. Yeah, yes, hey, Reed, I, I'll be thinking about you tonight when I'm cooking dinner, man. Doing some uh, in in honor of the Mardi Gras time. Doing a little oh, pasta lie with some boudin. Oh. <laughs> Ooh, I'm about to, hey, send me your address, dog. <laughs> Heck yeah. We'll see you, T. Reed. All right, brother. See you, brother. That is Trevon Reed joining us on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Appreciate him for taking some time out of his day uh, to talk to us. Again, we loved his time on this program. Oh, he is yeah. just one of the best human beings you'll ever meet. Uh, we pre- appreciate him for, uh, for talking to us today. We need to take our first break of hour number two. More Sports Call after this. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Now, back to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Well, 
Welcome back to today's edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy. Again, a big thanks and shout-out to Trevon Reed for joining us just a second ago. Uh, love that guy to death. Uh, he is just a wonderful human being. Uh, he obviously loves Auburn, and people know him for that, but uh, we've gotten to spend some time around him, obviously, on this show and outside the show. And uh, Again, just a, a wonderful human being. If you missed that, you can go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast, which is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or want to hear something again like that Trevon Reed interview, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy an ice-cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest Sports Talk Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. Obviously, there's been a lot of buzz uh, around this program starting to just figure things out again on the recruiting trail, getting the energy back into it. I imagine as we come in, uh, get into the coming weeks and, and start to approach spring ball, probably going to emphasize spring ball a little bit more than we did the last couple of years. Yeah, uh, just because of, of the new age and uh, and and the new regime and 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 also I want to say uh, not necessarily Trevon related, but with what Hugh Freeze has done coming in here, uh, how much more public he has been. Yeah. I, we talk about the recruiting aspect of it, but talking about ingraining yourself into the community i've seen pictures of hugh freeze out and about auburn or in an auburn facility or taking pictures with people at places just more than i did probably in in the full two years uh, of brian harson being at auburn and that might not win you games right but that is something that endear yourself to the community and something that is important here support that the previous administration did not understand and it kind of is a is a trait that's not dissimilar from recruiting because you have to go out you got to shake hands you've got to talk to parents you got to get in these people's houses and recruit for your school and in the same way you kind of be being a busybody and being out and about and, and shaking hands in the community is a similar thing where there's some work outside of the X's and O's that is very important for a college football coach right. to go through. And so far, Hugh Freeze seems to be nailing that part of it. Yeah. Um, you know, the Brian Harson. Yeah, you know, he would pop out there, you know, during basketball season with the Tent City, you might see him pop out there every now and then. But, I mean, hmm. as far as, like, a lot of stuff, you didn't see it. But you also didn't see Gus Malzahn do a whole lot of it. Gus Malzahn is a very private guy. Um, I, I know uh, there was always talk, like, in the mornings, uh, a lot of coaches around Auburn would go to, like, Byron Smokehouse to eat breakfast, but Gus would have somebody come and pick his breakfast up and take it to him instead of him going uh that it, that's just kind of how gus malzon was very private you know not out there socializing guy uh hugh freeze feels like he's more in that mold of a bruce pearl that is uh he wants his face uh to be out there in front of everybody he wants his voice to be out there in front of everybody uh he wants to be a visible guy and uh that's something auburn needs right now they they desperately need that um just that boost of energy the boost of confidence uh and I, I think that's just something that Auburn fans have not seen from a head football coach in, in quite a while is a guy that's just out there front and center in front of everybody instead of just kind of being behind the scenes and this mystical figure that is the head football coach that you might see once in a while. But, you know, he's, he's out there in front of everybody, and, and I like it. It gives good vibes. Yeah, yeah, great, great vibes. Somebody who 
you know, he understands what it takes to be a head coach in the SEC where you gotta you gotta ingrain yourself in the community. You have to be around everybody. They want to see you out there in public interacting like you're a normal person, like you're here every day with like you have that hospitality and you make you, you know, he makes you feel like you're at home, especially if you're a recruit in that type of situation where you're always around him, interacting, making him feel comfortable. That's that's something that's big. That's just big in the South in general. Um, and and Hugh Freeze understands that. Um, and you can tell. Um and yeah, I mean, he makes himself public all the time. Uh, I he was at the Bama game, uh, interacting with his players. On you know, they were there were a bunch of Auburn football players that were right at the very front of the student section for the Bama game, uh, right right behind the the um, what the, the little bench, seat, yeah, the bench, bench yeah, there. bench area, um, the sideline seats. Um, and he walked up, and you know, he's walking around the arena, talking to people and interacting, talking to his players, interacting with them, talking with um. um Derek Hall and he he was at the game and and Robbie Ashford was there Tank uh, not Tank Bigsby um, Jarquez Hunter was there as well so they were all interacting and and um, everybody was having a great time just making himself visible and um, making everybody just feel comfortable as a whole I mean that's something that's just extremely important and I think it's going to go a long way when it comes to recruiting and and how he will be able to have support in this program um moving forward yeah. he, and here's how uh, also Hugh Freeze it's a big difference here and also about getting ingrained in the community obviously I'm not going to give away where he lives but where he purchased a house is very close to downtown Auburn on a main street right there in the wide open I mean it's on a main thoroughfare and it's there and that's where he lives and he did that on purpose because he wants to be closer to the community and and have that type of closer access to the community whereas most of the coaches typically get way out towards Ogletree Road Moore's Mill area and and either find a house or build a house way off back into the woods that you, you can never see, see. it's a, yeah. you know very private closed off Hugh Freeze and his family they bought a house on a main thoroughfare right near downtown Auburn I mean bam right there you, people have probably passed his house numerous times don't even realize it but that's again how open he is wanting to be close to the community he does not want to hide himself away off out somewhere away from the town he wants to be right there in the middle of it and, and that's just cool it just really it makes you feel like he wants to be a part of this community and i think that's kind of the vibe that you've always gotten from hugh freeze is he's more that community-oriented and just kind of outgoing type of guy. Right. It's why one of the many reasons John Cohen said that it was the right fit for Auburn. Right. And, look, in a sense, it's almost I, – I know I'm the one that, that brought this up and started this segment, but in a sense it's almost sad that we're having to talk about it with such reverence because that's kind of how bad the last few years had been. I mean, that, that as far as that sort of thing, the last right. couple of years was just so non-existent. And again, it's not that it's this some absolute hard requirement because, as you said, Tom, Gus Malzahn was not necessarily out all the time. Right. Now, I think he was less standoffish than maybe Brian Harson oh, in regards sure. to if you saw Gus, he was not going to you know look the other way yeah. you know, and, and sure. we all know the Waffle House stuff right. and that sort of thing. He had his things, but but. It's not like it's a, a huge requirement, but at the same time, it's something that when you are a college town community, which Auburn still is, I, I know it's one of the fastest growing cities in Alabama, but Auburn is still at its heart a college town. That sort of thing becomes more important because the university 
is about that that city, this city. Uh, it's not like going to Los Angeles and having Southern California. USC might be a huge school, and it might matter a lot in football. But I guarantee you those people in Los Angeles couldn't care less how much Lincoln Riley is out and about no, in Los don't, Angeles. They don't care yeah. about that sense and, of community. And, well, most of them probably wouldn't even recognize him if they <laughs> bumped into him. Fair. Yeah. They would think, is that, our, is that, the, is that Sean McVay? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. Get that, out of my way, jerk. Right. <laughs> uh, so, but, but in a college town like this, that is something that uh, is much more welcome and, and much more necessary than other places. And it's just good to see the little things being done right. Look, the big things are still the wins and losses and the execution of offense sure. and what you do defense. And there will be 11 months out of 12 that we will, that we will talk about that, Not if not 12 months out of 12. But it's good to see the, the attention to little details kind of going back in the, in the checkmark column for Auburn and, and Hugh Freeze and company uh, are starting to do that. Uh, and, and it's been very good to see. We'll take our next time out here of hour number two. More Sports Call after this. please ladies and gentlemen can i please have your attention we're auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show hi my name is what my name is my name is sports call on tiger 95.9 now back to auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show sports call Welcome back to Sports Call today on this Wednesday. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here about halfway home on this Wednesday. Again, a reminder, I haven't said this in a couple days, uh, but we will not be having a show on Friday. Again, Auburn softball doubleheader at Jane B. Moore Field, their home openers. And so, again, for the next few Fridays, no Sports Call. So four-day-a-week show for the next few weeks. I just want to remind everyone of that. All right, let's talk a little college basketball. Again, we've already talked a little bit about Auburn, Missouri. We can circle back to that a little bit too. But I want to mention the SEC action tonight and take you through that because there are four games tonight. Three of the four uh, are honestly tremendously important for varying reasons. Uh, we can kind of skip over the Ole Miss and Florida game. Uh, that will be played, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, and it will be in Gainesville, Florida. And Florida is favored by 10. And if I don't know and how Florida still might lose, <laughs> I I don't know how Florida's still in the bubble. They're like next four out or, or the considered tab for Lenardi. Not good. But uh, nevertheless, if if you're paying attention to Lenardi's bracketology, I, there's Florida for you. But these other three games in the SEC tonight, and we'll start with the biggest of them. Number one Alabama goes to number ten Tennessee. Guys, I, I know that home court matters. Don't get me wrong. I did not forget that. But I'm very surprised to see Tennessee is favored by three and a half. Uh, and, and the reason I say that, normally the number 10 team in the country, sure. 
But I think Tennessee is starting to become a little overvalued. Here's their month of February, as just a reminder for everyone. On the first day of February, they went to Florida. They lost 67-54. They then, on uh, February the 4th, the now infamous 46-43 game against Auburn. Not a very convincing victory. Auburn, good team as we know, but 46-43. Then they went to Nashville in the midweek last week, lose to Vanderbilt at the buzzer, 66-65. And then Tennessee finally got some offensive chops against Missouri and still gave up a buzzer-beating three, (laughs) 86-85. So Tennessee has lost three of four here. Right. And in three of those four, they scored 65 points or fewer. And so I guess what I'm saying is I don't know if Tennessee is playing like the 10th best team in the country right now. Everyone takes some losses at this point in the year. It's not exclusive to the Vols to lose one or two. But it's three, and two of the three are likely not NCAA tournament teams. Uh, And then even their win against Auburn, 46 points is not going to do much for me in the way of... Same thing for Auburn beating Northwestern. Look, Auburn beating Northwestern gets better every day because of what Northwestern's doing. That doesn't make change the fact that that was an ugly-as-hell basketball game. Yeah. And that's what Auburn and Tennessee was. So Tennessee's not playing it, played a clean game of basketball in the month of February, yet they are favored by 3-3.5, three to three and a half, depending on, on where you look at, over Alabama tonight. What do you guys think of that game? Oh, um... Yeah, it's going to be a good one, I think. I think it's going to be a very tough defensive game. Uh, Tennessee obviously has a very formidable defense and, um, I mean, statistically one of the best ever. Um, and Bama is is a very competent defensive team. Sometimes they kind of tend to take possessions off, but when they're firing on all cylinders on defense, uh, top to bottom, all of their all of their guys – um, especially just in their starting real like main seven rotation can guard the ball very very well. Um, Mark Marcus Sears, Mark Sears is going to um, give Sakai Sakai Ziegler um, a lot of problems. Probably you know he he's gonna really give him some issues. It's gonna be interesting to see um, Kamwa against Betty Yako and and whoever draws the the Brandon Miller assignment. Um, obviously has a day for them um, or an evening for them in store as as he's you know one of the best scorers in the nation um, at least as a freshman uh, so yeah it's going to be interesting I think it'll be a good one though uh, I'm I'm definitely going to tune into that I'm I um, and it's it's in Tennessee correct yes, so that, yeah so that's yeah. definitely going to play a part in Tennessee um, I I can't say who I think will win. Um, but I, I do think it will probably come down to a couple possessions, maybe some free throws at the end. Um, I think just Tennessee towards the end of games has been not clutch, if yeah. I really can put it any other way. I mean, for both buzzer beater games, Santiago Vescovi missed a free throw that really could have, you know, probably put the game away or at least, you know, forced overtime or something like that. Um, and and for the Vanderbilt game, you know, they they could have easily won that game if Phillips he gets the inbound, he takes the ball, if he dunks the ball towards the end of the game, Tennessee wins that game no problem, buzzer beater or not, because they're up by four. Um, and then they probably still go, 
and foul. So it, it's just a whole thing. Uh, I think late game preparation, obviously, they've been kind of winning. They had been winning games um, by a, a decent margin, uh, obviously not to the extent that Bama was winning games, but still they, they were winning um, pretty easily, you know, like 9, 10 points. Um, and so these late game situations, it seems like they kind of just crumbled and, and didn't, you know, they haven't felt that pressure. And so now they, uh, you know, they've lost, you said three of the last four. Yep. Yeah. So they, they lost three of their last four and, um, you gotta, you gotta bounce back if you're, if you're Tennessee and if you're Alabama, you just got to keep doing what you're doing. You know, you're undefeated in SEC play. Obviously, you don't want to take your foot off the gas. You want to lock down that number one seed because Texas A&M is still looming. They have a two-game lead on Texas A&M, but, uh, I mean, you don't want it to come down to to that last game of the season that Alabama has to go to College Station and face a, a really good Texas A&M team, and you don't want to get caught slipping. So um, if you're Alabama, you just want to keep your foot on the gas and, and continue to do what you've been doing, play good defense, um, get contribution from everybody top to bottom, not just Brandon Miller. I think that's something that is not, is not stated enough that Alabama's team is not just Brandon Miller. They are a very well-constructed team. Seeing them live, they, they have guys that can go score everywhere. Uh, guards, whether it be their guards, whether it be Brandon Miller, whether it be their centers, they, they can do it all. And, and, uh, they're a very well-constructed and talented team. Yeah. Um, Alabama has shown that they can win on the road and in hostile environments. I mean, for goodness sakes, they came here to Auburn in a very hostile environment and won. And again, like you were just talking about, it doesn't necessarily have to be Brandon Williams because Auburn pretty much, they shut him down for the most part. I mean, what, he had 10 points? Yeah, Brandon Miller, yeah. Uh, what did yeah. I say? Williams. Oh, Miller, I'm sorry. Another common name, but yeah. just not his. Yeah. <laughs> Brandon Miller. Um, uh, yeah, Auburn, for the most part, shut him down. He, he definitely did not have – one of his huge 30-point games against Auburn. Right. But they still had enough of other guys that did the scoring for them. Um, that's why I, I'm i going with Alabama on this one just because, like I said, they've shown that they have shown that they can win in these tough road environments. Uh, and even if uh, Brandon Miller is not at his best, they still have enough yeah. guys that can do it. Well, and, and, then, and then Tennessee – is just they they've been on the struggle bus the last little bit. Now they may be able to break out of that, but I I don't know. I mean Alabama's just tough, and I like how Cam said they're a well put together team. Well, and I will keep saying this. I will say this until this season concludes. But Alabama went to Houston, who is still valued as the number two team in the country. That's where they are ranked. Right. And Brandon Miller did not make a field goal. Right. And they won. Yeah. So, like obviously he's great. And he's still valuable, and he's going to be picked in the top five or six of the draft. But in a sense, they don't need him every single game. They just don't. And it's kind of weird to say they don't need a player that's good, but that's how deep their team is. That's how they function well together. I should note, they do have one injury tonight. Uh, Charles Bidiaco is questionable tonight. Right. Uh, He He averages about six and six, something like that. Something going on with foot or something. Uh, so he, I, I, I read that they still think he will play, but he is more of a game time decision. That's definitely uh, going to so affect their rim protection. Maybe sure. that's why the line is what it is. Still, though, I think Tennessee's being a little overvalued. 
I just don't trust Tennessee to get uh, big buckets. And as you said, Cam, about the clutch here recently, look even to the Auburn game. Again, the one that they won this month, Tennessee did not finish that game well. After no. the four-point play by Santiago Vescovi with about three minutes left, they didn't do anything well. They missed free throws. They had uh, a couple of turnovers late. Obviously, the one that set Auburn up for what uh, would have been the game you know, a game tying potential foul. Uh, they had plenty of issues in the last three minutes, even of their win this month. So they've not been closing games well themselves. And I, I will say for the SEC standings, this is a big one for Alabama. If they get this one, they're going to win the SEC. Period. They're 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 going to win the SEC. They're not dropping right. more than one game the rest of their schedule. If they lose it, I still think they're heavily favored because Texas A&M is the only one that can really get them. A&M's 10-2, Alabama's 12-0. But if you look at Texas A&M's schedule, and we're going to pivot to their game uh, right here, right now, their schedule the next four or five is brutal. They host Arkansas tonight. We're about to talk about that. Then they go to Missouri. Again, we saw the worst of Missouri last night in Neville Arena, which means usually a decent team responds with the best version of themselves the next time out. So A&M will have to look forward to that. Then A&M hosts number 10 Tennessee. Then A&M goes to the recently very hot Mississippi State team. So I don't think a and is going to win all four of those, and I don't think that they're going to escape uh, out of that. And if they don't, then Bama undefeated is well past them uh, right now. But if if Bama does lose tonight, maybe they lose one more time between now and the A&M game, and maybe that A&M game will mean something at that point. But even still, I think Alabama's in the driver's seat. Uh, but certainly if they win uh, tonight against Tennessee, they're going to win the SEC. So with this A&M team, that it's finally starting to get a little bit more respected in Joe Lenardi's bracketology. They're finally off the proverbial bubble for now. They're like a 9 or a 10 seed. They play Arkansas tonight. Interesting game because the Hogs have been a little better as of late. As of late, yeah. Uh, and, and, and they've started to figure some things out. Uh, yeah, they won at Kentucky. Yeah, they uh, they did. Uh, and we'll talk about the Wildcats in just a second. But Arkansas and Texas A&M, this one to me feels like a win it and you're definitely in it. I think both these teams ultimately make the NCAA tournament. But now as we click down to just four or five regular season games left, you're starting to get to the point where if you can get up to about 10 or 12 teams behind you on the bubble at this point, unless you lose every game from here on out, you're going to get in with another good quality win from this point forward. And I think that qualifies for both these teams. Yeah, it's it's going to be uh, exciting. It, Arkansas, they're a very talented uh talented team. You know, I t- I've, I've always talked about how they have a bunch of NBA players on their roster um, here and then – yeah, I just can't talk enough about them. Um, and they – Muscleman, solid head coach. Um, kind of an know, idiot. Yeah, yeah, kind of a kind of <laughs> – yeah, kind of an idiot. Yeah, he can he can rave a lot. But, uh, yeah, yeah, Arkansas, they'll be interesting. And, and um, sorry, I'm thinking all over the place. Uh, Tom, will you take over for me? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Arkansas um, – they're a team that have got, definitely gone through some struggles this year, but they uh, they've kind of figured some things out. Uh, they're playing pretty decent basketball right now. Uh, it's a very important game for both of those teams. I mean, for Texas A and M to keep uh, pace with where they want to be, but then for Arkansas to keep their momentum going as, as you get to here in the late in the season. So um, it, it'll be interesting to watch uh, that game at Arkansas. This game is in College Station. Oh, it's in College Station. Yeah. Okay, so even even bigger for Arkansas to try to get one on the road. A&M favored by four. Okay, that makes sense. Um, yeah, uh, Eric Musselman and those guys, uh, the Razorbacks, they've, they've been 
playing pretty decent. And, uh, uh, they were kind of the surprise team uh, um, of uh, surprising in a bad way. They right. they were a team that was supposed to be one of the top competing teams, and they just they've struggled. They they've had a lot of just they've had injuries. Un, un, though. They have they, had they had know, um they, they had, had Nick Smith Jr. Yeah. They were missing him, and they and I but think he's, he's back. Now. Yeah, he's supposed to be back, and I'm sure him ingraining with the team is going to be a lot better. Um, it, it's. It's going to be interesting. They're just not deep either. They're, right. They don't have a deep roster. Um, and when you're making runs, you, I mean, with Auburn, you know, they're they're a deep team. You can you can say that they had they go about what you'd say 10, 10 11, 11 yeah. deep. So you you really need that when you're moving forward. Obviously, I think you know Bruce Pearl might kind of lower the rotation, but as the season goes on, you can't just play seven eight guys because they will get tired and wear down as the season goes on. Um, Texas A&M is um, another, you know, well-constructed team. They played tenacious defense, um, and and they move quickly. They got high high dynamic guards, um, and that's really the key for them. And and um, with Mississippi State as well, a, another solid, really good defensive team. And uh, I I don't know. You you think they make the tournament though? I don't I don't know. I yeah. So we can transition here real quickly before this uh, hour break, but to that Kentucky and Mississippi State game because actually we talked about Arkansas playing a little bit better. It's like they did lose to Mississippi State this right. weekend so on Arkansas's home court, and uh, Mississippi State now is going on a very impressive run. This is a team that was ranked and undefeated for about 12 or 13 games, then was just atrocious to start conference play. I flat out wrote them off. I thought this team was not very good. Uh, They lost to Tennessee by 34 early on. They lost to Georgia, obviously lost to Auburn, lost to Florida in the first half of the schedule. And then, honestly, it started with the Alabama game. They only lost to Bama 66-63 in Tuscaloosa. Then they went and beat TCU in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. That was January 28th. And since then, they beat South Carolina, beat Missouri, beat LSU, and beat Arkansas. They have not lost since that Alabama game uh, back in mid or late January, which they lost by three. So they are winners now of five in a row. And at 17-8, and eight, they are – I mean, this is a big bubble game, to be quite frank, between them right. and, and, and Kentucky. If you look at Lenardi's latest bracketology, Kentucky is the second team out of the NCAA tournament. As of right now, if Lenardi swore his gospel, which it's not necessarily is, uh, then Kentucky's the second team out. Mississippi State right now, however, is the fourth to last team in. They'd be in the first four right now. So Mississippi State would be in right now in basketball, yet Kentucky would not. So wild. this is a very important game tonight. Wow. And, That's wild. Go ahead, Tom. Just... Well, I mean, we talked about it. there's a lot of important games yeah, right now. Yeah. Um, I I did not know that about Mississippi State. Yeah, I, no, I, I guess I had written them off too. Yeah, they're low key good. Yeah. They're, they're you know they obviously I feel like every team goes through their lumps and their ups and downs. Um, Mississippi State, like Ryan said, you, you, they started off strong and then kind of had that rough stretch. Um, but now they're kind of putting it all together. I think every team goes through that. Obviously, outside of Alabama and. You know, even Purdue and those kind of top upper echelon teams. Houston, I mean, Houston even had a little bit of a struggle here and there. Um, yeah, I mean, these these everybody has that that rough patch. But yeah, this Mississippi State team is is talented, um, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and and yeah, it, it's just the SEC is kind of beating each other up. Hey, they really have. Yeah, I mean, they have definitely beaten it's each wild. other up. Yeah, a lot going on around the bubble in the SEC. That's why we got to keep updating 
on uh, on how all these games are going. We'll certainly talk about them uh, tomorrow after we see them play out tonight. Out of time for hour number two. Again, reminder at 5.15, Joe Bartle of RotoWire will be coming up. Stay tuned. Hour number three is Sports Call after this timeout. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9 FM, WTGZ, Tuskegee, Auburn, and AM620 WTRP, LaGrange. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Ryan Lloyd, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here. Fun show so far today. Again, reminder that at 5.15, Joe Barnell will be coming up. Uh, he will talk, uh, kind of finish off this NFL season, also preview the offseason ahead. And uh, we've had a fun show today. Talked a lot, a lot of Auburn basketball, SEC basketball there in the last segment. And then, of course, we loved our chat uh, with Trevon Reed there to start the 4 o'clock hour. And, of course, if you missed that, you can check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. But before we get to Joe Barrow, let's go right back to the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-341 locally or toll-free 1-889-TIGER-9. Next up on the program, Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Steve, are you there? Steve! <laughs> Steve, Steve, uh, do not hear Steve. Paging hear Steve, Steve. Oh, more uh, damn Steve. Are you there? Hello. Hello. Hey, Steve. Hey. Can you hear us? Hey, I'm sorry, guys. I was uh, trying to uh, tell my daughter what happened to the movie, but uh, thanks for uh, <laughs> not, not hanging up on me. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, whatever you do, guys, from here on out, I've seen this movie. If someone knocks at your door and you don't have a video camera to let you, do not answer the door. <laughs> well, what, what I, movie? Did you go see knock it? at the cabin? Knock, knock assuming, at the cabin. Yeah. yeah. Ah. I I'll tell you what though they they uh they didn't really let them in uh they forced their way in eventually. I know I know but at first you know they they kept them to you know invite us in. Uh, so real quickly, what were your uh, what did you think of the movie? I thought it was the most what you see is what you get movie that I've ever seen. Like there were no real twists. The characters were all being honest the entire time. Uh, it was very much here's what it is, and we're just going to go along with with everything being truthful. Yeah, I agree. And it wasn't one of those, you know, are you kidding me? This is how it's going to end, you know, like the village. Because I got scammed on that one. Right. Yeah. M Night Shyamalan is you, M Night Shyamalan usually does the twist ending, so it was kind of ironic that he went kind of basic. And I'm not saying basic is bad, but he just he went very simple. Yeah, so uh, anyway, I enjoyed it. I, I feel pretty creepy. I gave it about maybe seven or eight. Sure. I gave it a seven, yep. 
Okay, so guys, the team that I saw last night, where has that team been all season? Yeah, I they they just they they put some stuff together last night. Got they were hitting shots. Uh, yeah. Hitting shot or was it? I think it was a was it a three out of five uh, threes or four out of five for a KD? Yeah, it was. I think it uh, was four, uh, four of six. Four of six. Four of six. Yeah, four of six. Yep. My yep. God, that's probably his total for the past three games. Uh, I, yeah. He he was shooting the ball great. Yeah, looked looked good shooting and was knocking them down. And I so were a lot of the other guys on there. And Mr. Green didn't make any shots except a free throw. I think it was a total of five points he made. Right? Yes. Yeah, right. He, he was o, o for four from the field, o for one from three, but he was five of five from the line. And nine assists. Yeah. Yep. And no turnovers. No turnovers. And Mr. Uh, Leo got was it two or three? Uh, three-pointers. Two. Yeah. Two of two yeah. from two three, of two. three of four from the field. And then at the free-throw line, we're continuing. I think we, was it uh, 82 or 83%? No, 80%. That's what it was, wasn't it? Yes. yes. 80%. Unbelievable. Only this four free-throws. Uh, where has that been all season? Uh, I, I I don't know. I hope we see more of it. Um, you know, shooting the ball has been just the, the downfall of this team uh, throughout the season. Last night, they were able to get those shots to fall, and it was fun to see. And I know for me and for you, Steve, it had to be nice to get through a whole game and not have to go to the Pepto or the heart medications. <laughs> well, you know, Ryan, I asked you last yesterday afternoon was this going to be a white-knuckle game, and you thought it might be, right? Yes, I did. I think all of us thought it was going to be a white-knuckle game. Uh, so this was a uh, pleasant shocker, to say the least. No, this was just, yeah, this was just a knuckle to the other team game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, what I was kind of, you know, you know, an Auburn sports uh, fan, you know, I said, well, I've seen this, I've seen this, you know, uh, before, you know, where we have a big lead and then we blow it. Huh. And I'm just waiting for the second half, you know, for they're going to come back on us and this is going to be at the, you know, uh, uh, at the last end of the game probably. But it didn't happen, guys. It didn't happen. No, they no. they led that game for thir- for about 15 minutes by at least 30 points. So almost half the game they led by 30 points or more. And then we got more uh, baskets in the paint uh, than uh, Missouri did. And, you know, the total, I think, was a 151. And, you know, I remember I told you guys, uh, they were the second or third of the country uh, offensively, right? Right. And that didn't happen. Yeah, no, they they uh, they averaged eighty two points a game coming in, which was thirteenth in the country, uh, and, and they had a very high field goal percentage, and and not any of that happened for them last night. Well, the question is this, guys: Can they repeat this kind of performance for the remaining five games? Yeah, I, I highly doubt that yeah. they'll be able to, to score around so you 90. you think this is an anomaly? Yes. I mean, I, I think we've seen so much basketball from this team that right. there's just no version of this team that's a consistently good offense team. They've had a couple of good games. Sure, they scored this 90 is, against Georgia. Right. Uh, you know, they, they've had their moments, but they've still ultimately just been moments. And, you know, I still want to see how the offense operates late in a close game. That's that's really the question that's going to determine if Auburn can win a couple games in the NCAA tournament or not. If they can get out of that 8-9 matchup or 7-10 matchup is, is can they win a game close uh, and late? Well, I guess what I'm wondering, you know, you know, if they could perform like this last night, you know, they could probably beat almost any team, uh, you know, that they're up against. 
uh, and I'm saying that uh, realistically. Uh, and my, my, I guess my thoughts are this: you know, you said, you know, how competitive it could be. What if, I mean, what would prevent them from being able to have this kind of a lead and put and not let off on the gas on other upcoming games? Why could they do that? <laughs> I mean, basketball, it, it, it's just a, a game-to-game basis. Not you. Right. It's just hard. You know, you want to create consistency as much as possible, but obviously that's what makes a good team, right, is being able to play consistently and be able to consistently put, put uh, you know, score right. points. And, and, and Auburn this just, is this Brent? This is Cam. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, Cam, if we saw them do it last night, we know then they have the capacity and the potential to do it, to do well, it yeah. again. Yeah, well, these are college basketball players. You know, they came here on they're on scholarship. They they obviously have the ability to do it. Um, it it's just they it, also it, have yeah. the they also have the ability to only score forty or exactly. forty three points. It, it's it's just this team has been inconsistent. You know, it's good to see that they they have it in them, and we all I think we all know that they yeah. have it in them. I think they know that they have it in them. It's just playing within the offense that that Auburn is is playing playing and and being able to build off of this performance that's something that you want they're not going to be i mean they're not going to have the way the way that they dominated this game they're not going to do that every single game it's just not going to happen but if they can build off of the little things that they did in this game and use that to their opportunity for the next game and the next game and the next game that's how you be able to feel confident and and make sure that this team you know this team can become a little bit more consistent as the as the season goes on, and then that's where you want them to get hot in the NCAA tournament, in the SEC tournament. That's where you really feel will feel comfortable that hey, we can really win this game and compete with anybody. Right. And and Steve, it also helps when the other team only shoots twenty two percent from three point. I mean, they were five it's, of yeah. twenty two. Yeah, Missouri was Missouri, missing. Yeah, Missouri were, missing well, as well. Well, Missouri looked like Missouri looked like Auburn. Was that the cause of them doing that, or was it just they were just not hot? Last night, some of both. Yeah, some of both. both. Some of both. Uh, I mean, there there were some times that they had some wide open looks, and they just couldn't. They just couldn't throw it in the ocean last night, uh, and and that was kind of an anomaly for for Missouri as far as that goes. Um, so yeah, you can't rely on that all the time. But uh, as as far as Auburn, they just got to control what they can and uh, and keep playing at a high level. Uh, but it's it's going to be tough to match that when you have to play at Alabama again. It's going to be tough to match that at Kentucky. It's going to be tough to match that at Vanderbilt. Yeah, um, I mean, it, I mean that's a very tough. Everybody has a hard time playing at Memorial Coliseum or Memorial Gymnasium, and you know those are the things you just have to understand that uh, just because they had this explosive offensive output does not mean necessarily that they're going to have explosive offensive outputs every single game the rest of the way. This is one of those they the shots were falling. Uh, you know these were shots and looks that they have had all season long. That they just could not get to go down, and last night they were they were falling true for him. Fair enough, and we didn't foul as often as we typically do, right? Uh, that is right, Missouri. Uh, I mean, they shot eighteen free throws, which was fair. Yeah. Uh, Auburn shot twenty; it was there, close. There was but, there was a couple of stretches of kind of sloppy foul play uh, by Auburn, but I mean, for the most part, they didn't let it just. Uh, build up and just kind of keep making a mountain of it yeah most of it was in the second half missouri only shot six free throws in the in the first half one more minute right, with a c question. yeah sure, final question yep. guys we'll throw at you uh, is two more wins sufficient for us to be a shoe win or or not 20 I, wins gets you in 
I think. I, I think that with two, they get to 20 wins, and I, obviously I would think it would be the next two, uh, Vandy and Ole Miss. And I don't love losing three in a row going in the SEC tournament. That would be the thing that would make me nervous. But in general, I think a 20-win team is going to the NCAA tournament. So I think they will be in with two more wins. Okay, that's it, guys. Hey, thank you very much for uh, allowing me to ramble for these uh, quick minutes. I'll listen to the podcast later on. And, uh, again, you know, uh, unless you know and you expect somebody – uh, that takes you to come to the door. You hear knocking and you don't know why, don't answer the door. Yes, sir. So, <laughs> until tomorrow night, until tomorrow afternoon, guys, you have a safe afternoon and evening. And uh, War Eagle. War Eagle, thank War you for Eagle. the call as always. That is Retired Ward Am Steve joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. We need to take our next commercial break, and that's because coming up on the other side, Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire will be joining the program. Don't miss that. That is coming up next. Want to join our conversation? Tweet us your thoughts on Twitter at SportsCallAU. This is Andy Bertram, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here. Fun show so far. We're going to keep the fun rolling here as we go to the Auburn Bank phone line again. And uh, it is a Wednesday, so it is time to chat with Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. Joe, uh, it's kind of a bittersweet conversation with you today because the NFL season is officially over, and there is a lot to do in the offseason and that sort of thing, but uh, this will be kind of the last conversation about football for a little while, but I hope you're doing well today. Oh, yeah. You know what? For me, NFL is just 365 days a year, so the offseason is as interesting as the regular season, certainly the postseason as well, too, and the NFL has done a good job of making it that way. I, I'm excited for next year. Um, I, you know, this will be a prelude probably into the Super Bowl. I'm hoping the officiating gets a little bit better. Uh, it has been an issue all regular season and all postseason, as we saw uh, this past Sunday as well, too. So I'm, I'm hoping that will be something the NFL takes a long, hard look at and improves the game next year because it does need improving. And I, I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic that we are going to have um, some positive movement in that regard. Well, and not trying to go too far <laughs> into the officiating, but it is very ironic and, and uh, disheartening, honestly, that just a few days prior, Roger Dell said the league had never been in a better place officiating-wise. And I don't know if that to be true. But uh, that aside, uh, it was a high-quality Super Bowl on Sunday, Joe. And uh, these two offenses, these two quarterbacks did not disappoint. What were your big takeaways from Super Bowl Sunday? Yeah, would have been one of the best games uh, in Super Bowl memory of all time. I mean, it, it really would have been, uh, even if, even if like the, it just ended with the field goal, the Chiefs kick it, and the, the Eagles are unable to convert. That possibility of of the comeback and of the drive, really, of that Jalen Hurts company could have done. Um, I, I think it had already made because that was one of the best games. And I, I'll take the blame for this, America. This was my fault. I texted a friend uh, moments before the flag saying, this has been an awesome game. There's been no officiating issues whatsoever. Uh, and then, of course, that flag does happen. And like I said, I really believe the officiating has been awful throughout the regular season and it was in the postseason. So for it to end because of another bad officiating call, you know, that, that's on par. I, I actually 
you know, I get it. James Bradbury also came out and said it was a bad call, too. Or, I'm sorry, that he said it was the correct call. I apologize. It was the correct call. But just because it was the correct call doesn't mean it means it happened in that moment. I just want consistency. I just want consistency game to game, team to team, moment to moment. Like, that's what matters to me. Uh, we didn't get that, and I think it ruined what was going to be one of the best games. And it was one of the best games up until a point because the quarterbacks, like you mentioned. I know everyone thought Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and, and the Chiefs offense would do fine, and they did. But I really loved the game within the game. Then the second-half adjustments that they made, uh, obviously getting more possessions. I feel like people just kind of ignore that part of it. The Eagles started with the ball first, were able to sit on it for most of the first half. They just didn't let the Chiefs get the ball and do anything. When they really had an opportunity in the second half, they did. Um, and whether the pass rush of the Eagles was limited because of the uh, porous field that the NFL was playing on or just that the offensive line of the Chiefs was that much better, I'm not sure we'll ever know. But it certainly made for a super compelling game. Um, I think if the pass rush had been as dominant as they were in the regular season, the Eagles would have won pretty handily. Uh, so I'm, I'm thankful in that sense that it was as competitive as it was. And Joe, I, I want to ask you about that Eagles defense because I certainly noticed live and we all saw we could go back after the fact and see a lot of defensive ends slipping uh, as they tried to rush the passer and plenty of players at all positions on both teams slipped throughout the game. Pretty inexcusable if you ask me about the NFL. But uh, how much of the struggles or, or how much of the Kansas City putting up 38 points, how much of it was kind of just the Eagles not doing smart good things defensively because i feel like joe there's a couple of just really simple plays i mean i know there's some clever play design and there's certainly the undertones of eric the enemy and what he's been able to do uh helping lead this kansas city offense but uh, there felt like there was just some simple stuff that philadelphia just could not cover at all and it felt like a lot of mahomes throws ended up being very easy throughout the game yeah the back-to-back touchdowns on the motion that then just came in zig right back I think will be a point that a lot of Eagles fans um, will mention as to why they are very happy that Gannon is leaving, their defense coordinator is leaving um, for the Cardinals' head coaching position. I, I think you can say maybe his scheme was rudimentary, but also acknowledge how good it was. And they had a lot of talent, but you can have a lot of talent, <clears throat> my Packers, and not be able to do well with that talent. And it's and it's very evident and very clear. So I'm I'm less low on Gannon as a defense coordinator relative to, I think, a lot of bitter Eagles fans or anybody that had rooting interest in their defense succeeding against the Chiefs. I think when you give Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs uh, and Eric Bieniemy too, I don't want to discredit him, two-plus weeks to plan, you're going to see that type of thing, little wrinkles. And they have had so much opportunity in recent years to perfect how that looks in the postseason, in the Super Bowl specifically. Uh, really, other than Bill Belichick, there's not a coach in the league right now that I feel more confident saying in a two-week stretch must-win game, Andy Reid will get it done and know what to do. And I was actually more impressed, not even with the pass rush, but Isaiah Pacheco in particular being able to run the ball. You think about what would happen if the Chiefs were forced to be one-dimensional. Patrick Mahomes would make things incredibly, uh, you know, incredibly uh, crazy plays because that's what Mahomes does. But it would be very easy, even for a bad field conditions like it was, uh, for the Eagles' pass rush to tee off. But I think specifically that interior, whether it be Jordan Davis or Fletcher Cox, really couldn't make Mahomes unable to scramble around. Mahomes could still do stuff within the pocket and outside because there was opportunity to step up, move to the right or left without a hand in his face often. So I think as much as everyone wants to credit Hassan Reddick and Brandon Graham, the guys on the edge, and he should, um, it was the interior pass rush that I think 
uh, was surprising to me, and it's because they had to respect that Russian game, and Pacheco in particular, who I thought would be completely shut down. He was fantastic, and I think uh, will be a very underrated reason in which the Chiefs have won now two of the last three Super Bowls. Let's pivot, Joe, now towards the offseason. And as you mentioned, yes, it it very much is a 365-day-year sport. Uh, we'll have NFL Draft coming up in a couple months. It'll be very interesting to see, uh, as always. But also, when you talk offseason, and, and it feels like we're going on a run now of a couple years here where some big franchise quarterbacks are actually involved in some of the offseason talk. It's not always the case because teams obviously very much value their franchise quarterbacks. But in the case of, of course, Aaron Rodgers for another year, Lamar Jackson, uh, these these guys are going to dominate headlines all offseason long. What ultimately do you think? Uh, happens to these two and I know Atlanta is involved could be involved with Lamar Jackson that's a popular fit uh just what happens with with these two guys yeah I I think we are probably going to come to an end of these uh, uh Pro Bowl or Hall of Fame quarterbacks on the move I, I know the NFL kind of wants that to happen but we're in this weird spot of the quarterback cycle where we have a lot of young guys Josh Allen Mahomes Joe Burrow Justin Herbert Jalen Hurts that are, are really pushing and have pushed themselves into the upper echelon of quarterbacks. And then there was the Russell Wilsons, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady's that had still been around, lingering in that same spot, Matthew Stafford, maybe could be that equation too in the next year or two, that have kind of fallen out, whether it be age or for every other reason. Um, and I think that's why we've seen so much movement over the past three years of these massive quarterbacks. Not that it can't happen, and Lamar Jackson is a perfect example, but very rarely do you let an MVP uh, multi-time Pro Bowl quarterback hit the open market. It's just that That's uh, a bad business plan if you're an NFL team. So I would suspect this will happen less, but to your point with Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson, it really feels like that Lamar-Ravens relationship is just untenable. Um, that players, I know Sammy Watkins had just joined the Ravens only a couple of weeks prior, but still there are players openly talking about if Lamar uh, was choosing not to play or if he couldn't play, that's a pretty tough stain, a pretty tough reputation thing to move past. And I think many people in the league respect Lamar's talent. You just say if he goes to a different spot and utilizes talent more, not Greg Roman, uh, yeah, it's possible. I think the last place Lamar should go, though, is the Falcons. I I was very disappointed with Arthur Smith's scheme. They were so run-heavy, and I, I understand maybe the allure to doing so. But that's just the exact same Greg Roman stuff that I think has limited Lamar Jackson to what he could be potentialized to this point in his career. I think if Greg Roman was not the coordinator for the Ravens, we're talking about Lamar Jackson in that same breath as Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. Um, and he was just handicapped to an extreme extent by an offensive coordinator that thinks he's in 1980. So I would, I would not want to see him in the Falcons as much as I know that hurts the uh, Atlanta faithful. And I know that Arthur Smith is not Greg Roman, uh, but it's still a – too predominantly run-heavy scheme for me uh, that I would rather have him go to a different spot. And to the point with Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, the Raiders and Jets are the odds-on betting favorites. I had talked about my Wednesday podcast though that what if he went to the, the Tennessee Titans? Titans could have upwards of seventy million in cap space if they cut Ryan Tannehill and a couple other people. Um, I, I think the AFC South is absolutely a winnable division and with Derrick Henry, uh, Traylon Burks. I thought came on towards the end of the year, possibly some more investments into that receiver spot. That Tennessee offense could be very, very uh, dynamic in all phases, and they already had the best rush defense in the league last year. Improved the pass defense a little bit, somewhat. Uh, Aaron Rodgers could make them uh, make the Titans contend, much like they were two years ago when they were number one seed. Eventually, lost to the Bengals. So, um, I, I think there's a, I, I think Rodgers moves. 
um, whether it be to the Raiders or Jets or Titans. I'm not certain, but I do feel very confident it will be to an AFC team. Before we go to baseball for just a moment, Joe, I do want to ask you just kind of a generalized question about the offseason. Just that simply being whose offseason is going to be most intriguing for you, with whether it be a team with a lot of cap space or with no cap space or who could end up having a big-time free agent. Which, which offseason, which team are you most interested in? Yeah, I know a lot of people say the Bears because they have the number one overall pick, and whether they trade that or they trade Justin Fields, you kind of have to make a decision one way or another. They have uh, the most cap space in the league. I just think it's a poorly run organization, uh, and I, I just don't. I have zero belief that they're going to do the correct thing. And you can debate what the correct thing is, but I think all of us have a little bit of uncertainty as to how the Bears will operate. So uh, I, I'm less, I'm less interested in them. Uh, maybe it's great. Just talk about it today uh, on the podcast. But I kind of am interested in the Colts uh, at the number four pick. They could trade up to get a quarterback. They could just hope to roll the dice and see who lands there. Um, there, that AFC South division really is wide open, uh, much more than I think a lot of people want to recognize, even though the Jaguars really came on towards the end of last season. If they make the right moves at quarterback or if they go all in on retooling this team, um, it could be really interesting. And I think they have some core pieces relative to a lot of other teams at the bottom of the standings um, that, that, that could make a big difference. So it's either the Colts or actually the Seahawks as well, too. I would assume they bring back Geno Smith, but that will be an interesting as well can they really contend with the Niners or hold off a probably healthy Rams team for one of those final playoff spots in the NFC division or conference, I think will look much better than it did this year. Talking to Joe Bartle of RotoWire as we have all football season long. and uh, But a friendly reminder, we've talked to him a little bit about basketball. RotoWire does it all in, both foot, in all football, basketball, and baseball this year, Joe. And so let's talk a little baseball here for just a moment. Uh, spring training starting to get going here. World Baseball Classic coming up. And everyone will start to draft their fantasy teams here in about a month or so. So what are some of the fancy notes to keep an eye on when it comes to baseball? And, and again, for those that are new to it, uh, baseball decidedly more arduous process uh, of, of of keeping a lineup together. So walk us through a little bit of some of these particulars. Yeah, whereas fantasy football you play once a week on Sundays, and even if you are not super into football, you could check your lineup on Friday or Saturday and make the necessary roster things. It, it is a, a much more difficult endeavor for baseball, but that's why that was really the initial fantasy sport before we had fantasy football. The fantasy sport was fantasy baseball, and it's because the People like the grind, and there are still a lot of people that like the fancy grind. What I'd recommend if you're starting a fantasy league is, is really decide, do you want to do it like you do fantasy football, where you're matching up against Joe Schmo uh, and your team you know, head-on-head, or do you want to go ahead and have something where it's just accumulating stats throughout the season? Both are difficult. Both have their grinds, um, but it is a different mindset overall, where he's trying to beat some person as opposed to beat a whole field. And the projections in that latter example, where you're just trying to accumulate uh, X amount of stance, roto standings um, is what it would be called, it, it, it's a different mindset overall. I, I prefer that because that's kind of like the way of playing baseball. That's always how it's been. Um, but I, I recognize if you're really just dipping your toes into it and want to get more involved, you don't want to just watch the games, but you want to participate from a fantasy perspective, but the head-to-head matchups is a growing thing in fantasy baseball. So uh, I, there is no wrong way, uh, as long as you are enjoying it and being able to participate and keeping active, because I think that's a huge part of it. Overall, I think this year, there's two key points that a lot of people need to keep in mind. So one is that speed is more important than ever. Most of the categories in which you're playing 
will involve stolen bases. I mean, that's one of the core pillars of, of fantasy baseball, whether it be head-to-head or roto stuff. Uh, and I think finding stolen bases, much like it is in baseball right now, is difficult. And you can have an X, Y, and Z projection of 10 to 15 for a certain player, but to have that guy that jumps out, that leaps out, and doesn't hurt your lineup in other ways is really a big key. So I've seen speed drafted relatively early uh, in rounds one through five, and you could pick any one of your outfielders, your your infielders, anything like that. I think um, you could you can identify the speed players, but that's one of the, the early um, things that people are jumping to. And the other part is multi-dimensional positioning. So much like in basketball, where you want a guard and, and forward, you know, somebody qualifies for both. You want the same thing for baseball, too. There could be a corner infield spot and third base. It's the same thing, but actually in fantasy baseball, they can cover two positions. Same for an outfield or whatever else. So maybe guys that uh, just are DH, less less important. So I've always found multi-position eligibility to be a huge factor in my fantasy success to overcome the inevitable injuries that occur. Um, but, yeah, you know, dive in. It's a, it's a long process. It is a grind. But it's fun, and it's fun to participate in baseball in a different way than just watch the games. And Joe, of course, uh, with RotoWire, how can everyone uh, check out uh, what you and, and RotoWire have in store for the rest of this basketball season? And then again, if you're getting ready and set for a, a Major League Baseball fantasy draft. Yeah, now is really a big time because we have that lead up to the NBA playoffs, which is a really big deal from a DFS and a betting perspective. All your tools are there on RotoWire.com. Um, we have spring training, so baseball is going to be starting momentarily. All the projections, we I think we have over a thousand different profiles written up on players and more counting. I think it's going to be closer to two thousand when it's all said and done. So we're talking minor leaguers at that point that we're diving into uh, quite extensively. There's a lot of information. NFL offseason will be update, and then there's March Madness, which we do a pretty heavy job uh, getting people prepared for your your pools and. Uh, uh, different things like that, your brackets as well. So, uh, rotoware.com slash free. You get, I think it's a two or three day free trial. I'm not positive. Don't quote me on it. Uh, you can check out the site, at least look at all the tools that are available. And if you want to uh, subscribe to it after that, great. But, uh, you know, rotoware.com slash free, good way to at least check it out and look. He's Joe Bartle of RotoWire joining us on this Wednesday edition of Sports Hall. Joe, the time has been greatly appreciated, not only today, but throughout football season as always. And uh, we'll have to have you on a few times throughout baseball season to keep us in line on that, again, that daily grind of that. But again, thank you so much for uh, for joining us today and throughout this football season. Yeah, no problem. My, my Brewers are going to stink this year, so I'm all Atlanta Braves. I'm, I'm rooting yeah. for you guys. Beat the Dodgers. Go Braves. Beat all the other uh, major, major market teams. I'm, I'm all in on the Braves this season. So That's good. I'm right there with you guys. We, we love to hear it. Joe, as always, thank you very much, and uh, we hope to talk again soon. All right, sounds good. Thanks for having me on. That is Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. I always appreciate uh, Joe and the work he does uh, doing all those fancy sports at Roto-Wire. And, of course, we've had him on for football for a long time, but we're going to have him on a little bit throughout the spring and, and summer as well. Uh, they'll be doing a great job with baseball as well as they do with football and basketball. Need to take our next time out of the show today. We'll be back to start to wrap things up on this Wednesday edition of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is Sports Call.
Looking for another way to listen to our show? Be sure to download the Tiger Communications app and listen to Sports Call wherever you go. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call here on this Wednesday. Final five or six minutes with you here. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry. Thanks so much to Joe Bartle of Rotowire for joining us here on this program. Also, again, if you missed it, Trevon Reed uh, joined us at 4 o'clock, former co-host of the program, doing great things with Auburn football. Uh, we appreciate uh, Trevon for stopping by. And uh, all those guys joined us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Auburn Bank has been your hometown bank for over 110 years. Visit them online at auburnbank.com for more information. Your partner, your neighbor, your friend, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Give us a call on the joint sports call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll free one 888 tiger Auburn Bank is our proud sponsor of the sports call phone line. Some, and, news, some news on another former co-host of ours at the same time that Trevon was here. Oh, yeah? Well, Sammy Coates. Well, uh, Sammy was on the show a time or two. I wouldn't call well, him. A, he was a guest, a special guest true. a couple of times. But, uh, yes, yeah, Sammy. He was on here quite a bit. He was a mem- also a member of the Thunder Chickens. Right. Well, for a couple of games. <laughs> to hurt his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, you're right, Tom. Uh, Sammy Coates headed to the uh, CFL. Uh, which team did you say it was? Edmonton Ed- Elks. Edmonton Elks. They, they, no, okay. they can nope. no longer be called the Eskimos. Eskimos. That's yep. derogatory, so. They are the Edmonton Elks. So there you go. Uh, he had tweeted uh, last week that he uh, wanted yeah. to get back into it. And, uh, Can I lace him up one more time? And just like, what? Why not? I, I don't know how that affects you. Know, he had a job here with the city of Auburn uh, for the last year or so, I guess. Yeah, I'd say. Uh, working with the uh, Auburn Police Department. And so I don't know how that affects everything. Sure. Doing, Maybe just take like a leave of absence. All, of all of these uh I don't want to call them minor leagues, but they're not the NFL. Of, of all these other football leagues that are trying to start up slash continue, because I think I saw some XFL rosters be announced a couple of days ago. Between the XFL, the USFL, uh, and the CFL, which has yeah. been going for a while, right? What league do you will you care? I'm not saying you have to net care, but which which one would you prefer? Which one would you care the most about of those three? CFL for me. CFL because I have a somebody who plays i know somebody who plays in the league so that qualifies as a great reason yeah <laughs> uh see I technically like, tom does now because he hangs out with sammy from time to time yeah, yeah. um Man. i you know i just because i i like the usfl just because it brings back old school memories of me growing up as a kid watching the the original usfl uh obviously different product because that usfl back in the 80s actually had Big time players, right? I mean, they they were. It was trying to compete with the NFL. It's trying. It did. I mean, it obviously did not ultimately do that, but it well, was more of an attempt. Yeah, Don, uh, the the one and only Donald Trump had a lot to do with that. He was owning the New Jersey Generals. They were playing in the spring, and he decided that they were big enough that they could compete in the fall head to head with the NFL, and that was a massive failure. But at the time, the, the USFL, 
uh, were paying a lot bigger contracts than the NFL. They also were allowing underclassmen to come into the professional ranks ahead of the NFL. So that's why you had Herschel Walker go right. to the New Jersey Generals, Doug Flutie, um, Steve Young, Reggie White, Mike Rogier. Uh, I mean, some of the biggest players that did stuff in the NFL got their start at the USFL level. Um, and so I remember them. And so it's kind of neat seeing those old school teams, I guess, out there on the field, even though it's a different product. Yeah, so and I don't want to answer this for my parents because my dad uh, still does watch an irrational amount of CFL football. Uh, but I think my personal favorite, and this why why they might lean back towards this, is the USFL because, let's put two and two together, I'm from Birmingham. Sure. There are really not many professional teams, even in the minor leagues in, in right. the state of Alabama, but Birmingham does have a USFL team. There you go. And so it's a little easy for me to get into that because I, we could go to those games. Those right. are very, very doable. I yeah. mean, it's the same distance as, as Atlanta is from Auburn. But And obviously I, I have go back to Birmingham frequently. But CFL, I'm not – I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to be going to a CFL game. It's no. just not, just will not be happening. I, uh, I, I'm, <laughs> happy, I'm happy for Sammy, but I don't think I'll be going up nope. to Edmonton to go watch him play. Nope. That, Plus, and, I, I have a hard time with CFL because they've got – so many like weird rules that I I'm, well I think it's creative though it's I mean, creative yeah, but, it, it's different the field, it's cool. the field is bigger it the is. field is longer and wider yeah. the field goal po- the field goals are up at the front of the end zone you only have three downs to move well, didn't that used to be the way it was though didn't yeah they, yeah play? way back when I love um, it. Uh, you can get running starts uh, yep, yep. in there the, uh, yeah, the uh, but then players. but then there's like that whole one point thing like if if a a punt, or no? If it, if you miss a field goal and you catch it in the end zone, yeah, so, and uh, it's like a point. Or that's something. not, or is that arena? I don't know. No, there's some yeah. weird one point rule in CFL. I don't remember that one. Um, yeah, I, I know it, what you're kind of referring to, yeah. but I don't know the exact. I don't. Either. It's some weird with, with a it. kick. It's something yeah. with a kick that it, it, if it's not returned, I think you get one point. Or sure. I don't know. It's some weird. Um, but, but yeah, I want to go. You up get to, three downs, obviously. Yeah. Three, yeah. yeah. I want to go up to British Columbia, watch my boy play. All right, there you go. I do it's so bad. So you cannot relate to us saying ah, I don't want to. I, I yeah, you. I got you. Would, I, you would do it. There you my go. Boy plays professional ball. That's fair. No, that's fair. Uh, just a minute or two left in the program. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Heart Seltzer. Six o'clock, number one Alabama visits number ten Tennessee. Late breaking injury news for Tennessee without Josiah Jordan James uh, and someone else. The name escapes me. So rough for Tennessee there. Number seven Virginia. At Louisville, 6 o'clock in ESPN2. National Hockey League, Chicago Blackhawks and Toronto Maple Leafs, 6 o'clock on TNT. 6.45, the National Basketball Association final game before the All-Star break. The Miami Heat go to the Brooklyn Nets. And one movie pick for you on Sci-Fi at 6.36, because Sci-Fi refuses to have normal start times, Men in Black 3. And that is Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw, Hard seltzer. Fun show today. Uh, Tom, enjoyed you being here throughout this week, and uh, we'll see you next week. I'll be here. 
And uh, Cam, appreciate you being on today. Yes, sir. And uh, no Friday show, so we'll see you next week as well. Uh, see you next week. And we appreciate very much Joe Bartle of RotoWire and Trevon Reed for joining us on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. And of course, we always appreciate you, the listeners and the callers, for tuning in and calling in as well. For Tom Peavy and Cam Berry, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Wednesday evening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.